Josh Williams here, and welcome to another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast, brought to you by Absolute Comedy. Check out absolutecomedy.ca, guys. Uh, it's funny doing a plug right off the top. I am here with a very good friend of mine. We have done every kind of gig you can imagine, and probably even more beyond that. Uh, my guest today has performed all over the world, comedy, France, Ukraine, China, Kuwait, England, uh, all over the place. You've seen him on uh, CBC's Laugh Out Loud uh, Bite TV, Sirius XM. He was the winner of Ottawa's Funniest Person in the Valley. And he's here now, my buddy Jeff McKay. Thank you so much for joining me, buddy. Hello, Joshua. <laughs> you just start with a fake voice. I love that. <laughs> yeah, thanks for doing this, dude. Like, uh, I mean, we've we've worked together so many times. In fact, even just yesterday, this episode, well, yesterday, now, this episode's going to come out <laughs> on Friday. I always do that. It's context of today. Uh, I talked about it in the podcast, so people are listening to mm. this week's episode today. They Time's heard... not a real thing. Just... No, it's it's not. It's no. a human creation. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's going to make going... it harder to put context on what we're talking about. I'm going Jim Carrey on you right now. Oh, really? I haven't seen that documentary yet. That's the Jim and Andy one? No, this is no. I'm, this is his most recent. I mean, the guy, he's he's lost his mind, according to most people, but I think he's actually quite brilliant, and he's just talking about... Uh, you know how how your ego is your entire self and nothing is real and anyway you have to check him out some interviews with the hollywood reporters it's funny yeah yeah well apparently the jim and andy do you know the one i'm talking about no so there was all this footage i haven't seen it too so i'm speaking ignorantly which is how i run my podcast all right, right. i don't research anything i can first. tell i just i just say it <laughs> but uh there's a documentary on netflix called jim and andy and apparently there was all this old footage behind the scene stuff of when he was playing Andy Kaufman. Right. And and this is like where that whole thing that you talk about about him just stepping outside of himself and the ego and everything like that. Like he is a method actor and he got way too into characters Andy Kaufman and he was pissing people off, you know, right. on set and everything like he was just staying Andy Kaufman all the time. Yeah. And the studio hid all this footage because they thought people would see it and think Jim Carrey was a complete fucking asshole. So, but he's saying that after everything was done, like he didn't know who he was afterwards. And that's when he started going into all this, you know, yeah. stuff about, about himself. So it was like Heath Ledger when we did the Joker. Yeah. And Only Jim Carrey still lived for years yeah. afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, yeah, I'm actually, everyone's been recommending it to me. I got, dude, I have so many things on Netflix I'm supposed to watch, but I just, don't we who all has, yeah, exactly. Who has the time? You know what really pisses me off? Those people who do watch a lot of stuff on Netflix who do have the time. And they're always like, oh, I just don't have enough time. I, I can't even imagine. Like, I don't even watch really anything. I watch a few, you know, a few series, but that's it. And like, I, I don't even have a family. I don't have, <laughs> like, I mean, I don't see how people have time to do anything in their life. My life is pretty like, you know, I do comedy, I have a day job, work on the house, take my dog, you know. That's it. I have no time for anything else. Like I'm yeah. not even on social media, really. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm on Twitter, and that's it. And there's nothing. I've never been on Facebook. I don't see how people have time for this stuff. That's my my only like really my my biggest mystery with it all. Yeah. Well, some people they don't they don't. You're doing productive things, <laughs> so they're not. You know, not everybody. I'm gonna come across. I don't give a fuck. We're drinking wine. We're being fancy bitches today. It's three o'clock in the afternoon on a snowy Tuesday, <laughs> and we're drinking Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, like we've we've worked together uh, countless times. We yeah. we've seen it all, and I'm sure throughout the course of this episode, we'll we'll end up telling some fun stories. But of course, like all my comedic guests, I always start with the question: Is what what were you doing before comedy, and what got you started into stand up comedy? That's a great question, Josh. Oh, I'm very good. Um, 
So the uh, I was a university student. I hated school so much. I was I didn't believe the bullshit of, you know, this is this is education. I mean, like all it, education is for is like you know most universities or can really just be it's just regurgitation. It's like here's a textbook, read it at your leisure, and then we have a day where you're going to be tested on it and just tell us exactly what this book says. I didn't see the the evolution or the progress mentally of of that sort of education system. So, you know, as a young guy, I was kind of, I don't want to say I was a, maybe I was like arrogant or stubborn or something, but I thought I was smarter than the university. Right. So I remember one night, you know, not doing, I was supposed to be doing homework or whatever. And I was watching like uh, comedy now, I think it was. And I remember seeing Sean Majumder on right. comedy now. And I was like, that guy's really funny. And then I watched comedy now, um, you know, the next night and i saw some comic i forget who it was and i was like that guy was shit do you really forget who it is you're just being no i, I okay. don't remember it and then but i remember i would be incredibly fascinated like, <laughs> I, here's a piece of paper write it down i would love to know let's uh, just assume it was no <laughs> <laughs> throw out some names get sued yeah um no and then i remember thinking to myself like i always wanted to try stand up and i thought if i did comedy i would not be as good as shaman jumder but i would definitely be better than that other guy and I was like, if that guy's on TV, like how bad can comics be who aren't on TV? Right. So I remember going to Yuck Yucks. I remember watching Yuck Yucks a few times. I went down and then uh, I signed up and, you know, did the first show ever. And I barely remember it. Just remember going on stage, the lights being like so like bright. I was just trying to remember what I had rehearsed for, you know, I probably rehearsed for a couple months. I was going to say, because I always wonder, like, how long was your first, from the time that you signed up for it to your first time getting on stage? Like, that probably. that period where you're like, now I have a date. Oh, shit, I'm going to do yeah. this. So you said a couple months-ish? Yeah. I would go behind my high school, like, a night in the alleyway and just, like, where it was quiet. And I would just, like, just talk into the echoes in the alleys. And, <laughs> uh, and then I went on stage. And it went well. Like, it went pretty decent. For a first time, I think it went very well. And even... Howard, who, you know, runs Yuck Yucks, was like, that was good. Like, you know, it was great first time. And then I remember the second show I did, I, I like a month later, I got basically almost, I don't even say a standing ovation because it wasn't that, but there was a, I did really well. And I, I changed up all my material. I thought you had to make new material for every show you did. And I was only doing six minute sets. So I got a whole new six minutes. And I was like, man, that stuff was even better than the first stuff. And then I went a third time, my third time on stage. And I thought at this point, I'm like, I'm the man. I'm going to be like the best comic in history. <laughs> and the third time I went on, I did, I got all new stuff. And it was deathly silence, like absolute, the like the worst set I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of experienced all three, you know, a good set, a great set, and a dog shit set within the first three times I ever did comedy. So And luckily it didn't start with the dog shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never come back to yeah. do the other two. Oh, it was hard at come back after that. That third set, I was like, what? And then Howard was like, why are you doing stuff, all this new stuff? I was like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? He's like, no, just the first six minutes you have, work on that for like a year. I was like, a year? I fucking nailed it the first time, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's done. Put, so, it, put it in the box. It's yeah, done. and I've been working on the same six minutes ever since, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, did you have a, a bunch of friends and family come out for like the first time? Like, do you remember in terms of that dynamic? Yeah. You know, did you tell everybody or did no. you try to do it stealth? No. Having done this for so many years now, I can tell right in you same way. You can tell who's going to make it and who's going to stick around the scene and actually try to be a stand up comic 
and who's not. Right. And if you're someone who's going to invite all your friends and it's just like a spectacle, like, hey, look at me, I'm in front of a microphone, I will bet nine times out of 10 that guy or girl will never be on the scene a year later. Right. I think it's a very personal thing. I didn't have anyone. I was terrified. I didn't want to see, I, didn't, I thought I was going to bomb, right? So I didn't want to have my friends and family to see me bomb. So uh, yeah, I didn't really tell anybody. For the probably for the first, I told my best friend in the world like that night. I remember getting off stage. I was like, "Man, I did yuck yucks," and he was like, "What? That's crazy!" But oh, you didn't even invite him. No, I didn't invite. You told him after after the fact, absolutely. And then uh, you know, after probably a few months, is when I actually sort of said, "You know, I kind of do stand up," and I invited some people. But I really think that most great comics, until you have something that you're kind of proud of and you know is going to do okay, you, you don't invite people. Yeah. I certainly don't invite large groups. Yeah. There's, there's times where, um, just for myself and that's now, this is years later into stand up. but there's times where like, if I'm working with someone, uh, outside of comedy, networking something or whatever, and they know I'm a comedian of a lot of times I'll ask them, you know, I'll give them some tickets and tell them to come see me. Sure. Yeah. Because they're, I'm like, like, you just don't know. Cause a lot of people, I'll tell people, you know, in conversation, if it comes up that, you know, I do comedy. And what happens is like, oh, you do comedy. Like, do you know so-and-so? And and I swear 99% of the time they name an amateur. Yeah. Because the amateur is always so loud, but oh, I'm a comedian, I'm a comedian. But so, I mean, most of the time it's someone going, oh, do you know so-and-so? Like, yeah, I went to see a show. It's not yeah. bad. And I'm I'm kind of like, I immediately assume that I've been placed in the same bracket as that person. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know exactly. So it's like, I mean, it happened with me yesterday when I got my hair cut. The guy's like, oh, you do comedy? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you know? Uh, and then it was amateur name. And I'm like, yeah, he's, he's brand new. Nice guy. Yeah. But, but but brand new. I go, I've, I've been doing this for, for close to 10 years now. So it's, we're, yeah. we're a little different on the, the again, yeah. but I, I guess it's an ego thing, feeling the need to differentiate. But when I'm working with someone and trying to do something, maybe stand up related. So for example, if I'm working for a company and then like, Hey, we do an event. I go, well, why don't you think of stand up? I want them, those people I want to come see. And it's not like, let's have 50 different groups, but I'm saying I'll invite a table of two to come watch me. That's the yeah. only time I actually invite anybody to come watch me. In fact, when my parents are like, Oh, when's the next time you're there? We should go. I go, I, I'm not. You've, you've seen what I'm bringing to the table right now. I'll yeah. let you know when it's worth coming back to see yeah. me again kind of thing. I, I always say that whenever whenever you, the minute you don't want to tell people in general that you're a comic is when you're actually a comic. Yeah. The, you're an amateur and when you're still going around like promoting yourself, like, you know, I'm I'm this, I do comedy and you're telling girls like, you know, that's the first, you know, as an amateur, you tell all these ladies like, yeah, you know, I do, I'm a comedian. And then you're you're okay, but then once you get to be a real comic, you're like, I'm not fucking telling anybody, yeah, because I know what you know. It's gonna be make me laugh. It's gonna be I'm funnier than you. It's gonna be you don't seem that funny to me. You know the standard response, yeah, pissing contests yeah. out of nowhere for no reason. So yeah, most and like you know, great comics like uh, the, I mean, some guys in the scene that I know who are, who are you know super pros. They're like, no, I, I would never. Like they say, they're like, uh, I work in the entertainment business. That's all they'll tell anyone. Oh, that's that's way more ambiguous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that arises yeah. a lot more questions. <laughs> I actually have a friend who's a firefighter, and he knows how how good that works with the ladies. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he will almost almost like six seven times give an answer that does not say I'm a firefighter. He's like, I I work for the city. Oh, what do you do for the city? I just you know like I'm, yeah. Uh, work in prevention or whatever it's yeah. like oh like what like i just a response team you know what i mean like for for emergencies and oh, yeah. it's like like you really gotta he's not yeah. like 
hey, I'm a firefighter because it's just like gush wet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like now I got to beat you off with a stick all night. I actually say occasionally when there's firefighters, I talk to someone and they're like, oh, I'm a firefighter. I'm like those guys spend more time making vaginas wet than burning buildings. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that that's even like every chick wants the diamond ring. But it's like, oh, you're you're, you're married. That's fine. Uh, I'm married to a firefighter. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like everyone's like, oh, that's, that's the Domino's. You got kinged right there. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So six months in, just people are starting to come see you. Whatever. How long was it before you started getting like paid work? Um, I think it was about six months. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was did a show. Uh, Howard with Yuck Yucks had me go to Cornwall with Ben Miner, and uh, we. BJ Woodbury was the headliner. And I remember just, we did this dive bar in Cornwall. I think I still have the check. I think I was paid 50 bucks. And I still, like, I lost the check. Cause I was, you know, I was kind of <laughs> like trying to sh- sh- like keep it and be like frame it or something. Right. Of course. Cause at the time I was, you know, very, a young kid and I was like, oh, 50. I didn't, I was I probably, no, I wasn't living with my parents, but I was, you know, I was cheap rent. So I was like, I don't need this 50 bucks that bad. So I found the check like a couple years ago, just, some box in my room i was like man i wonder if i could still cash this like this is like a decade plus old yeah you know so now do you remember not to uh i i like your philosophy because you don't like to sort of age things and whatnot no and but my question is do you do you mind if you say how long you've been doing stand-up comedy how long ago that may have been that you first got on stage um it was i think 15 years ago but there was about three years where I took a break and I didn't do any. Right. So yeah, I guess twelve years is like my. That's how much time you yeah. spent in, yeah, in stand up. Yeah. yeah, that's freaking amazing though. Because I mean, you started when we were referring to Yuckies. There was no absolute comedy in Ottawa. There, um, I think it was just before Absolute started, or it was just like you know, just kind of yeah, maybe yeah, it was before Absolute. Yeah, because yeah, sure. at this point it's I like two thousand sure. or twelve years. Absolute's been here twelve years. So if you started yeah. fifteen years ago, there would have been a little bit of time. Yeah. <clears throat> just enough to sort of get your feet wet in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I only did comedy for about a year and a half before I, I went back to school in Kingston and I kind of called it quits for the on comedy. So what happened there? Like you're you're doing comedy, you're getting, I guess, I assume some paid work prior to, to quitting comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just doing like open spots and I was doing, you know, a bit of paid work with Yucks. And then uh, I realized like, shit, like I got to, I didn't have a degree. I didn't have a direction. I had nothing. So I was like, okay, like I got, I got into Queens University. And I went to Queens uh, for, you know, another year. And then I, I hated, I realized again, like I hated university. Yeah. What were you so taking? I, I was in economics. Okay. Yeah. What did you want to do with that? <laughs> Just make money. <laughs> I, I, I love people like, I'm taking business economics. You know, I hear uh, business and money, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then I dropped out there and I moved out west and I moved in with my cousin and we just live in Victoria and not really... You know, just working kind of shitty jobs. And, but then I, you know, it was, and then I came back to comedy when I came back to Ottawa. And that's when I came to Absolute and I was like, it's sort of my second round of it. Um, yeah. And Jay was great to me. Like he was, you know, I was, I was doing okay. And he, he promoted me a lot faster than, you know, than Yucks did. So I was like, I'm sticking with this guy. This guy's, he believes in me more than the other guys. So let's, let's go with this. Yeah. Absolutely. And there was, and when you came back, how long, cause again, like it's all part of a, a thing. Like, so when you're out West, were you, were you doing anything? It was just kind of, I mean, cause it happens to all of us where there's periods where we just exist. Yeah. I was, I was existing. I was, you know, I, we'd go surfing or we would do, uh, I'd go biking a lot and then, you know, and, and just 
pick up games of like, you know, a Frisbee or whatever, like just doing fucking nothing with, you know, productive. And, you know, it, that actually got really, you know, as I get, I get depressed a lot. And I think as fun as that sounds, if you don't have a direction in life, like, or a goal, I, you lose yourself real quick. So as, as much as that's fun, it's a bunch of distractions, Yeah, but it's it. certainly not, I guess, growth or progress. Yeah. You're just putting your life off. You're just like, I don't want to deal with reality. So I'm going to just, you know, work a, a kitchen job and, and surf and, you know, and, and some people that's the dream, like, and maybe it is like. You know, yeah, maybe it turns out that in the end you learn that yeah. all those people had it right. They're yeah. like, what are you working for? Absolutely. If you're alive and you can play Frisbee, like I, that, I mean, again, it sounds nice to me, but you're also a very active guy. I'm not an active guy. So I'm like, oh, that sounds like fun just hanging out at the beach and biking. I'm like, yeah, then again, it'd be a lot of work for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, it does sound nice. Who wouldn't want to live in a beautiful place like, you know, Vancouver or sorry, Victoria, I yeah. apologize. Yeah. And, and just, you know, be active or whatever. But like you said, for, for people, especially, you know, like us who are creatives, you do get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm not producing anything. I'm not yeah. generating anything. And that's what really bugs me. Kind of in, in Ottawa in general, like I've been, you know, I love the city. I, I've lived here a lot of my life and it's a great city, but there's, there's not a lot of ambition or at least, you know, like in, especially with the federal government, the major employer, it's like the factory of Ottawa, you know, it's a factory job here where that's where, you know, I say that's where dreams go to hide. And you say dreams go to die. Oh yeah, they, and they, uh, they definitely. I don't think I've seen a lot of them sprout back from the ground. No, afterwards. like I, I worked for the government and I couldn't do it. Like I just could not bring myself to to be around those offices and you know that that environment of just like sterility, and everyone's just kind of you know well we're going to collect our our sixty five k a year, and that's all we really want. I was like no, like you know I couldn't do it. Right. Um, so that's what kind of bugs me about the city is that there's not, there is certainly a lot of artistic stuff happening, but you got to dig to find it. Right. And uh, not everyone, it's a, you know, it's a very stable, safe city, which is nice, but it's not, uh, not as creative as it, it doesn't encourage creativity as much as I would. I would no, it's, it is very sterile. Like that's, that's the line that I use uh, in my joke. As I say, people, you know, you work for the government, you traded your dreams for security. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's almost like the creative and the artistic stuff is almost like walking down a street and you hear someone yell for help. You just hear a yell. Where did that come from? Like that's that's the art and the fun <laughs> community of Ottawa. It's just a sterile street and just every now and again you hear a yell and what was that? And it's already over and gone with before you. <laughs> like what what really like hits home for me is having a couple of my buddies or, uh, you know, I grew up with them and they they work for the gov and we were having a conversation, you know, like they have a family and, and nice, you know, homes and they have a stable job. And I, they said to me like, well, why, you know, you could do this. Why don't you want to do that? I was like, cause there's no mystery. Like for me, I thrive on mystery. Like it's, it's as scary as it is. The fact that I don't know what I'm doing in six months to a year, it, it kind of, you know, it lights, it lights me up. Yeah. Rather the, the than spontaneity. Yeah. Maybe. Whereas I told my buddy, I said, look, you have this job at the gov. I can predict exactly how much money, I can calculate how much money you're gonna make by the time you retire when you're 55, 60, whatever. Right. And I can tell you exactly. Don't you find that awful that you know how it's gonna end? Yeah, you take the mystery out of life. Yeah. There's no there's no surprises. Yeah. There's no I think it was Einstein that said the most sort of the most important thing about life was its mystery. Yeah. And that I thrive on that. Like and as 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 chaotic as my life seems to a lot of my friends, like you know, comedy, this, you know, contract job here and there, and you don't really know where all your income's coming or if it's going to be stable. I'm like, and yeah, it is hard as most comics. Like you would, you know, you, you don't know that what's happening six months from now, but right. there's also a comfort for me. It's comforting to know that I don't know how it's going to end. Right. 
Well, and that's, and that's the thing too. Like, I mean, when I was working for, for tele telecommunications in, uh, in TELUS, every day was the same. Yeah. Every day was the same. And it was so like, I made good money, but it was so the same that I just, I couldn't, like, if you asked me, you know, what were you doing in February of that? Uh, standing in a store, I couldn't differentiate one day from the next. But I mean, if you ask me what I was doing 2014 in February, I can go to my calendar yeah. and I can see those individual shows. And I can remember, recall each one of those shows because they're different. You're different part of the country, different environment, you know, different yeah. people working with different colleagues, which is even a great thing because even it's not like you're just traveling with your same colleagues. It's different comics that you work with in different parts of the world. Like there's so much variety and, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's strange. So Obviously, you're you're back in Ottawa, back in ever, and, and that's the thing. I do. I still to this day, everyone is. But why don't you just try to get a job with the guy? Like, because I, I'd rather take the risk, right? No risk, no reward. Yeah, you know, you know. So you're back you. in Ottawa, and and I guess you weren't particularly long before Jay was 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 working you because you already had a reputation before you'd left as being one of the the strong up and comers. Yeah, I guess so. Like it was a while ago, so I don't really remember too much. But I remember Jay was like, you know, pretty quick. Was like, do you want a middle? You want to MC? I'm headlining now, and like, um, yeah. So it took a while, but I, I, I don't take it. Maybe you know, I don't go at comedy as hard as some people do. Like, I'm not out at the open mics every night. I'm, I'm sort of more, a bit maybe more calculated. And like, if I bring something to the stage for the first time, I want it to be like decent. But I'm not as cavalier as to just you know throw anything up there and hope it sticks. Right. And but, there's a lot of people just from what I've seen here in this city, I can't speak for all the other cities, but there's a lot of people in Ottawa who are hitting the open mics, but they're not doing new stuff. They're just yeah. getting on stage because it's, because it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's a great, I mean, it's when you have a, like last night, you and I did a show and it was, it was a packed house and it was like an off, you know, it was, a, it was a Tuesday night or whatever. And it was, it was a great show. Like the whole sh from front to back, the, the show was fantastic. The audience was great. And that's the times where you're like, man, this is why I love comedy is because yeah. You feel awesome after the show, you know. I did a couple new things. They didn't work out that well, but I can work on them. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's we sort of go back to what we were sort of just talking about before, like with the, the time thing is that we only have, like time is really the only currency. It's the only currency anyone ever has. Because right. whether you're a millionaire or you're some guy, you know, homeless on Elgin Street, you have... You know, let's say if everything goes well, you have give or take 80 years. Okay. If everything, you know. Yeah, and, I'm not going to make it to 80. <laughs> I've done too much damage. Well, you never know. <laughs> Josh, we can work together. I'll okay. Get you, I'll get you fit and you fit. But, right. um, you know, that's the thing. And like, and as, as much as I say, I don't believe in time as far as birthdays go and, and, all, and your age, like, you know, you only have, like, as far as like government stuff, like. It, I realized pretty like I can't imagine being someone who worked for the government and it's you're you're 45 and you've worked there for 20 years and you just go oh sh shit you know like I missed a lot yeah I missed my whole life and I'm not going to get that back yeah you know so that's that's terrifying to me and you know I don't want that to happen and that's you know kind of the reason you know comedy still it, it excites me and it it uh yeah, it's it's the reason I don't like. I love mystery. I love mystery. Yeah, and you've you've accomplished a lot in stand up comedy. Like, uh, for example, you did a lot of those Bite TV things. Like, you were in Toronto and you did right, performances yeah. on Bite TV. You did uh, well. You you went to to China. Yeah, yeah. So, what, do you mind telling me that story? You actually had an opportunity to go and perform stand up comedy at multiple shows. I yeah. think, in China, how long you there for? Like a month. Yeah, about yeah, just just shy of a month. Yeah. So what happened? How did that ship or the ship trip come to? Uh, come to so pass? our good friend uh, 
Simon Celine, doorman at Absolute, <laughs> he had a buddy or something that um, was asked him, you know, to name a few comics that would want to go to China for a month with, for, you know, not the greatest pay, but more for the experience. And of course, for anyone who's working a day job, you got to basically quit that. So he, I think exactly. Simon asked a few people. He talked to me. I was like, yeah, man, I can do that. Absolutely. I'd love to go to China. So he came with me. Um, and then, you know, I was headlining shows doing 50 minute an hour sets in Shanghai and, and surrounding kind of areas. And, uh, yeah, it was like, there was a new business. Like the, the, I mean, stand up in China, this is five years ago now, um, was, was not that it wasn't a thing. So, you know, really? no, like stand up right now, it might be a thing, but like Chinese stand up is two guys talking back and forth. That's what that is. Oh, okay. So like English stand-up comedy was, you know, Shanghai is a city of, I think, something like 18 million people. And there was, you know. A, so even with Russell Peters, it's not a thing? Not, I mean, it definitely, I mean, <laughs> to draw from a population of 1.6 billion or whatever Chinese, you're going to get the crowds. Right. But it's not a, like a, a cultural thing. It's not, right. It's not something that they get excited to go. They don't it's not, really it's know not what a it is. dance dance revolution like, or anything like right that. Right now, I think maybe it's changed in the last five, six years, but just having like the average i guess the average chinese person would not consider a guy going up on a stage and yelling at them and telling them all their flaws like to be funny right so what they do is they have, <laughs> yeah exactly just, that is it's, so funny just the, yeah. the, the way that they would view that they're like they would take notes and be like i have to work on myself yeah. this guy just told <laughs> exactly. me all the things that are wrong with me <laughs> yeah yeah they're very strict very very strong teachers there for sure that's and, so uh, funny so anyway i went <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just so funny to me. They would not see a guy standing there yelling at them as funny. <laughs> yeah, that's just the regular government. But like, it's uh, it was, it was a great experience. Like I, you know, we ended up having our booker kind of like tricked us into doing this to perform to singing at a Miss China pageant, which was, you know, he was he kind of played it off as like this small little event. And we we go and we sing. I sang a Doors cover. Simon sang a Temptations cover. And when All we get there, yeah, we got there. It's just like this giant like auditorium with TV cameras everywhere. And like there was this this singer who sang at the Beijing Olympics. <laughs> and we were like following, you know, it was just a disaster, a complete disaster. Where did you where, like I, I've seen the video on yeah. YouTube of that, a little, but I haven't seen a little trouble in big China. Is that what it's called? Big tr Sorry, big trouble. No, whatever the opposite of the Kurt Russell movie is. Little trouble in big China. Yeah. Yeah. Little trouble in big China. Um, that's funny. And it's, so you can't see the video, but what were their faces like when you guys were, like when you were singing, were they mortified? Absolutely. Like they, they didn't understand English, so they didn't, but they knew we were not professional singers. We were dubbed, like we were brought on stage like these two guys from Canada are here. I mean, in, in China, it's, it's, it's a prestige <laughs> thing to have foreigners performing at your event. So, you know, we're comics, but this guy, our booker dubbed us as singers and he brings us into this event and, and he tells everyone these guys are singers and they're great. And then we go up and we, I was like, I kind of held my own a little bit. I wasn't great. <laughs> you sang a door song sang, as yeah, a singer. <laughs> hello, hello, I love you. I sang that. And it was like, and then Simon, like he, man, sorry, Simon, but he's fucking tone deaf. And yep. that guy, that guy got, I think our booker got, executed um, yeah honestly like he was he, <laughs> he, got, his heard from him he got his business license revoked or something. <laughs> oh my god yeah it was hilarious but <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so but that's on him i mean not not <laughs> yeah. uh not to, i mean i hope he's not dead jesus christ knock on wood yeah but just watch I, the video <laughs> oh my god so 
but he didn't even tell you. Did he tell you afterwards why he would say such a thing to get you guys under that show? Well, I think it I was, would imagine he probably made it was to make a, a, a mint off the the booking. I don't know, man. As your booker, he's taken a piece of it, right? Yeah, I don't think we were even paid for that one. It was like a free trip. We just like oh, we stayed in a really wicked, like a nice hotel, the Shangri La, and it was great. You know, it was a great time, but it was just like the event itself was a train wreck. How long were you at the event after you were off stage? Oh man, that's we, that's we, fascinating we, me because if you were like, let's say, let's say from like seven till eleven p.m. Just as an example, yeah, yeah. And you were like, we were seven forty-five. I'm like, so you stayed there for three hours afterwards, and oh. we just kept looking at you guys like, yeah, no, no, no. We got banished to our rooms. Like, oh really? The, the, the Booker, he was like, get your rooms locked. He's just like, guys, just just go to your doors. Just go to your rooms. I'll deal with this. <laughs> we were like, really? Deal with what? And yeah. Two with I crushed it, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Simon's like, I will sign autographs, sir. Oh god. If, <laughs> and then, and like just like the really funny thing was, it's just I remember Simon coming up to me like just to be polite. There's like a music and an industry person at the event, and just to be polite, <laughs> she gave Simon her oh, card. Oh, that's so fun. And, and Simon, was he like, was the worst like, choice to fucking give a card to because he would contact. <laughs> He came up to me. He's like, "Man, they want us to be like, like professional singers in China." And I was like, "No fucking way, man! There's no way that's happening." That's not, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> of course, like it's so so much. She gives you you like thanks, and you just put it in your pocket, and you feel that extra little bit of humiliation. Yeah. You know, oh, I was a pity. I was oh, a yeah. pity card. Simon goes, "I've made it. <laughs> I've made it." <laughs> Jeff, look, he comes running to you, swinging uh, the card over. It his was head. unreal. And then I remember all the beauty. Oh. Like it was all. It was a beauty pageant, like the Miss China beauty pageant. That's what it was for. And all these beauty contestants walked by us, and they were just laughing. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was like, I so knew funny. I knew what happened. It's, but I was like, I, oh, for I don't care. Fuck sakes, that's so funny. And then we were, it was written. We were written up in the news. There was a news write up, <laughs> and it was very passive aggressive. Tragedy. Yeah. Oh, where, can we read that? Is that does that oh, exist it's, somewhere? It's some. I think it's in the video. I put it. I put like video. That's so in the, fucking the video. funny. What did it say? It was just like uh, these guys were there. <laughs> like, oh really it didn't say like these guys killed it it just said jeff mckay simon Celine from canada also performed were there yeah oh we're <laughs> there it, i think it even said something malicious i can't like it was all in it was all in mandarin like, it was all i couldn't read any of it so except, somebody was like reading it quote yeah. unquote to you kind yeah of yeah thing? Like, I, I, he was like jeff mckay and simon were like our names there. are in english <laughs> are in like english script and then every the whole paper is in in chinese so i didn't know what the hell it said yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. It's almost like when I see something in Chinese where it's in English and then it just changes it to Chinese. That's that must be what the English looks like to them. Yeah, They're like reading a story and then scramble was there. Blah blah blah. Yeah, it's probably it was like Jeff McKay and Simon Celine were awful, terrible. And he's like, we're there. Yeah, <laughs> I just oh, that's what it says, it says there. Google it. Don't Google it. Um, that's that's fucking hilarious. So yeah, I mean, that was the I think that was the the highlight of that trip. Yeah, that was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, we went to the Great Wall. I filmed like a lot of video stuff, and I, I made a cool little documentary out of it. That, um, you know, it was uh, my the sound is awful, and the, some of the cameras pretty shaky, but it ended up being kind of a cool little twenty minute documentary that's online. But yeah, it was. I mean, it was experience. You know, not many people get to say they. I mean, we went we did the show for it was all a lot of English expats and Canadian expats who were at our shows. And Bob Dylan was there the night before in Shanghai. And then 
a bunch of Canadians came up to us and after our show. They were like, one of our shows at the club is it actually went pretty well. They're like, man, you guys were better than Bob Dylan. Like, I was wow. like, we, we don't even do the same thing. You guys know that, right? Like, we're yeah. not singers. <laughs> we saw these jugglers, man. You guys yeah. were good. Yeah. Um, that's really funny. I mean, what did the shows go like? They were okay. Because Simon, I mean, Simon was your opening act, I, I assume. Yes. Yes, he was. Um, there's a little bit <laughs> Jeff of and I are exchanging looks right now. You guys can't <laughs> see it, but there's a lot being communicated non-verbally. It was nice because, uh, you know, there was, I, I had an easy time. To, to pick up the pieces <laughs> <laughs> the bar was set particularly simon doesn't listen to this okay but um, uh yeah he hasn't figured out the well the, there's the one computer yet i put it in the video there's one clip of him like you know trying to do some crowd work off the top and he oh moves the mic God. and something just crashes down <laughs> like he's like so you're from america clink 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 like some huge like i don't know what it was but it was hysterical just to that was the perfect <laughs> little three seconds of you know that personified his stage presence right so there. in your documentary that you've got online does it yeah. have any of simon's performances uh it has a singing performance youtube may have like taken the actual song out because it's copyrighted and they, they do that now with that you know that thing that, they like, wouldn't just mute it they muted, yeah, yeah. Okay, they okay. Muted so you still the, see Simon's goofy yeah. demeanor. Oh yeah, for there. sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I, can you? Okay, I, I I'm trying to think. So it doesn't sound like we're just a couple assholes picking on somebody. Yeah. What is a character from television or movies or something that we can explain to the listeners what Simon is? Oh man, he's um, like Baby Huey meets. Like I'm trying to think. Like it's somebody who's he's he's um well ask. Let's start with Aspergers. Okay. All right. There's definitely some some level of Aspergers there, and that's not to punch down or anything. But yeah. just I would I would equate him to if you've ever read of Mice and Men, Lenny, but like a small version, not like a you know Lenny was a giant, but he was just this this gentle, kind, sweet. Like Simon is. He's a yeah. He's an absolute sweetheart. Yeah, but he doesn't get social cues. He yeah. doesn't, and he doesn't take. Uh, feedback and i don't mean just like like most people just don't take feedback like, like if you try to tell them like look dude you you gotta you gotta do it like this because that's not right oh, oh no sir it's it's quite good they all love it okay well yeah. uh you know what godspeed to you godspeed. yeah god bless simon yeah um, no i love simon he's a great great guy no doubt oh yeah i i, I love him too but i just i <laughs> i never have him open for me <laughs> <laughs> wasn't really my choice no but, i know i know that's that's so funny though so the the shows themselves they went, went okay. decent. Yeah. yeah, they were okay. Like, I mean, the setup was kind of iffy for some of them. And, you know, like, but I mean, they, they went all out book promoting this thing. Like I'd walk into a bar and there was like a six foot poster of me. Like, you know, they're like, oh, this has been up here for months. And I was like, what? And I was like, you know, like, this is crazy. They went crazy on the promo. Um, yeah, I still have some of those posters somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> you kept the oh, six foot poster I, of yourself? Oh, Fuck yeah. Life-size poster. I'm not even six feet tall. It was bigger than me. Was it you head to toe? It was like a because they like that kind of shit. Trying to see, you see the pictures where it's the person standing yeah. as opposed to like a six foot headshot. Yeah, no, it's, it was it was like my torso up. If there was like you know all the the show, like it was it was a big like a billboard sign almost. It was kind of crazy. Um, that's fucking awesome. Did you get did you get any Chinese vagina while you were there? <laughs> I did not. Um, I was dating a girl at the time in Ottawa, oh, but okay, I, but okay. also I was there's was a lot of offers. Um, <laughs> Got to make sure mostly, you put that in there. Listen, I was a good boy, yeah. but uh, I did well, okay. Mostly from the Canadians, but uh, no, I I turned some down, which I was kind of now I'm like, well, I, you know, I I definitely didn't want to you know be 
unfaithful to her and I didn't. So Jeff is a very attractive guy. In case you guys are listening to this on <laughs> iTunes where it doesn't necessarily show you, Jeff is handsome. We all in the comedy community tease Jeff for being handsome, which sounds weird because typically <laughs> well, it's not I the handsome it... people who get teased, but uh, I think just everyone's everyone's just very jealous of Jeff. Jesus, man. Jeff my, does my very license. well with the ladies. He's very humble, uh, which also helps. Uh, <laughs> but we all tease not him. It's not as. Exciting as you might think, I'll tell you that. I mean, it's, it's yeah. No, I have. I definitely. I have more. Op- a lot of opportunities, I guess. But you've it done. Does, it you've done very well. Your resume is extensive. I've done okay. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. So you did the China, the thing. Um, I mean, you've you had a lot of opportunities. You've you've performed all over the states too. Like you've had some stuff in New York. You've done some shows yeah. in San Francisco as well. Some pretty big stuff. Like you performed. Yeah. There was a theater show that you did with uh john lishwell from the yeah. league right and john's yeah. known from like youtube fame effectively yeah uh, everyday normal guy john lishwell yeah how did that happen um i was going down to san fran to visit a friend i think it was 2009 and i just i, I he was like you know he's from montreal so i just sort of emailed him and i was like hey hey man like i'm gonna be in san francisco i noticed you're gonna be doing shows at cobb's theater um you know, here's a clip of my stuff. If you'd like me to open for you, I'm going to be there. I'd love to open for you. He emailed me back and was like, hey, man, I watched your stuff on YouTube. You're really funny. I'd love for you to open me for me. So I showed up and, you know, it was like an 800 seat theater. It was great. It was like, you know, it's it's a legendary comedy club in San Fran. It's San Fran's A club. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, it was we, we did the show. We did a bunch of shows. It was awesome all weekend. It was, uh, you know, it was amazing. Yeah. And. You know, we were talking last night how like, you know, in Canada, you can, the comics usually hang out after the show and just say thank you to the crowd or whatever. Or, But in the States, like, I remember I had some friends in the audience for one of the shows and I tried to go out into the audience after the show just to be like, hey guys, let's hang, like whatever. And the this bouncer was like, no, 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 you can't go out into the audience without being escorted by security. I was like, what? I'm like, nobody here knows me. I'm the opener. Nobody cares. They're like, nope, doesn't matter, man. You got to stay back until we go with you. So I was like, okay, <laughs> come with me. I'm going to talk to my buddies. So we go into the crowd and like there's a couple of these big bouncer guys with me. And like my buddy's like, what the fuck? Like you have security like, for now, I guess. But Oh, it's sweet. You drink those times up. There's lots yeah. of times where... I, we were saying this last night when we were talking. It's just there's lots of times where when you get treated extra good, you're like, fuck, this is nice. Thank you for treating me like what I do has some value. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. lots of shows that we get to do where every now and again, it's like, oh, here's a green room for you guys. There's food for you right here. What can we get you to? Yeah. And you're like, you're like ah, this I, is how could, it should I be. could get used to this. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's nice. And then there's there's lots of shows <laughs> that you and I have done where we're like, Drink. I'll tell you the back of my head. It's like, oh fuck, maybe maybe all those times I said no to a real job. Maybe, yeah, man, that <laughs> that's hits me really every reconsider. day. Well, we did. The, I was telling them on the uh, on episode, you know, thirty nine from earlier this week. Thirty nine uh, today. They're listening to it now while while we're talking about this one uh, about us doing the insurance show yesterday. Which, while the organizer and the people were were great people. The conditions were not necessarily the greatest for stand up. Yeah, like absolutely. afternoon daylight coming in. You know, sound nobody's wasn't the greatest. Drinking. Everyone's yeah, everyone's sober. They're coworkers. They can see each other. Nobody wants to laugh and be the person singled out or whatever. Yeah, you know what is it? We've we've driven two hours away to perform in a freezing cold golf club in front of senior citizens. Oh yeah, who are effectively dying. Doing doing <laughs> professional stand up in Canada, it's it's like most people's kind of it's like their worst nightmare. 
Like you have to drive and your car might break down and you might hit a deer and you drive. no matter what, you have to get to the gig. So you have to drive in the worst conditions. You can't just be like calling sick and be like, nope, can't make it. You got to get there. And then, you know, you get there and it's an unruly crowd and you just got to go up and you're just, and, you, and the pay sometimes isn't great. And then like for most people, even just doing stand up in general is the most terrifying thing. Like, you know, yeah. So that's what my friends are like, dude, like what you do is crazy. Like it's, I would never do that. And I'm like, and I'm same thing with me and like the gov jobs. I'm I like, tell them, I'm like, I could never do what yeah, you do. Yeah. The no same way. place every day, boring ass shit. Yeah. And if you have a that. good idea, like when I was at the government, I was there for like four months, like, you know, as a full-time employee on a contract. And I remember this one day I, th there was some meeting and I said something like I had a really innovative idea and I work with, uh, I work with some engineers at, at the University of Ottawa Maker Lab. And I was like, if you guys want to mold this product, you don't have to get in, like injection molded. You can go to the 3D print lab and have it done for a 10th of the price and it'll take you a 10th of the time and it'll be way more cost effective and you know everything. And so I was like, okay, I just made a great suggestion. And, and everybody at the meeting was like, man, that is a awesome suggestion. We're going to look into that. And then I got reprimanded. <laughs> like, yeah so sorry like, this, i mean to blow up everyone's ears unbelievable <laughs> yeah unfucking believable I, I got this this one sort of director lady came up to me she's like well what is it i hear you're just talking about my project uh you know without my consent and telling you know, suggesting things i'm like i was at a meeting i was asked my opinion i expressed it that's all it is i think i had a good idea and then she was like kind of like upset at me all and right. then afterwards uh <laughs> so then i was like whatever she had a big meeting with me and my the supervisor and i was like this is bullshit like i don't you know and like this is the opposite of the private sector where yeah. people with innovative ideas and good ideas get promoted government people get reprimanded and because you can't do anything it's such a huge ridiculous yeah, organization thinking outside the box put your brain yeah. back in your cubicle this is the way it's done conform and so then like you know after my contract ended she came up to me and i thought she was all mad she's like hey you know what i think i'd like you to be on my team would you want to come back to work on my team for a contract and i was like no, no, I don't. Like, <laughs> no, thanks. No, like, yeah, that's the thing. I, I worked for Elections Canada for three months. Yeah, you know the people you've uh, you've worked for them too. Because I remember when I went to vote the previous election, uh, I saw you and a bunch of other comedians there, which is a great gig for comics. Yeah. I tell people that all the time. <laughs> I'm like, it's a great fucking gig for comics because when they ask you, like, hey, are you by any chance available Monday to Friday nine to five for the next three months and only the next three months? Yeah. Right. And I think yeah, that's fucking perfect. Absolutely. Good money, everything like that. Yeah. What I didn't stop to think of was, hey, everyone else I'm working with also for some reason has this availability. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not comedians. Yep. So who are these people I'm going to be working with? I'll tell you. And within a week's time, I went from being the lowest person on the totem pole. I remained in that position in that pay. Yeah. But I was helping people who were government retirees. All right. People who said that they worked for foreign affairs for 30 years or 40 years or whatever it is, like these big sections of the government that I would imagine would have some level of importance to them. Yeah. And I swear on everything I hold dear that I had to explain to somebody what uh, the address bar was. <laughs> um, I had to explain to them what right clicking was. Yeah. And I had to explain to them what uh, copy and paste means. Jesus Christ. But this is, and these are people for 30, 40 years worked in the government and they have no idea w what those basic things are. Like I felt like a tech guy and you know very well that I'm not a tech guy. I'm yeah. A, I got the glasses and the gut, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's just the costume. I don't know anything that goes along with it. And it's so funny to me because 
within a week's time, I'm like, here's how you do this. I'm the go-to for everything. Yeah. And I'm like, none of these people should yeah. be qualified. You have a, a great joke about that. As a matter of fact, how when you get a, a oh, job yeah. in a good spot, you yeah. know, like you're like, oh shit, I'm so not qualified to have this job. Like, I can't believe I got this job. And then with three months in, you're like, how do any of these fucking people have this job? <laughs> yeah. None of these people are qualified for this fucking job. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm shitting on the government and everybody who works there, basically half the city of Ottawa here. But it's like, no one who works for the gov, I don't think was like a super ambitious, you know, valedictorian A plus student. Cause those people are getting paid hundreds of grands in the private sector. You know what's funny? My mom listens to this podcast. She <laughs> was an A plus student. Really? Yeah, but she works for the government. But so what what's I mean like I I, t I actually tend to agree with you, like the ambitious people. My my mom, however, has a gigantic gap between when she was a student in school okay and when she started working for the government so she didn't go but, but so I, I tend to agree i just think it's funny because when you're like i'm shitting on government workers i immediately thought of my mother and then you started describing her academically <laughs> so i thought that was no funny. but like i i think about this a lot where it's like what makes someone go into the career they go into like what makes you know someone go to the government or go to you know because everyone i went to security high school, high, <laughs> i'm telling you because because you're absolutely right why would you go to a place where you know nobody's saying that the government is synonymous with innovation. Right. Right. So the, the thing is it's, it's people who want to, I'm telling you, I mean, forgive me. And I totally took over what you were saying. No, I apologize. No, but I think it's that a lot of people convince themselves. It's like, dude, I'm telling you right now, I, this is probably really, I might be the only one who thinks this way, but it's like, why, why would you become a stripper? Right. It's temporary. <laughs> it's temporary. I just need to make some good money for yeah. now for whatever the excuse is. I'm not saying, listen, more people waste their lives as government employees than strippers, right? Strippers eventually get out. <laughs> that's the first right? time that's been compared. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, at least in my mildly drunk from us drinking wine opinion, <laughs> is that people get into the government not because they're they're innovative. They think, all right, I don't know. Like how many people have philosophy or art or or sociology fucking degrees and stuff like that? And yeah. and the expectation is like you got the degree, so you're gonna go into the field. Right. You come out and you go, fuck, that's not I'm not finding anything in that. And you don't want to work as a barista or somebody at like Walmart. You don't want a minimum wage job. Yeah. So what do you do? You apply to the government, you take what you can get. Yeah. Right? But then it's but I think that there's no urgency. Once you have a job. What's the urgency to keep looking for something to 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 take the what spare time you have? Because now you're working a job that's stressful. Government's stressful for anybody who's got a brain in their head, right? Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm trying to innovate, I'm trying to make things more productive, and they just it gets kiboshed, just like the same situation that you were in. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden someone's like, uh, hey, why don't you take uh, all your spare time and go apply for other jobs in the field and go do interviews? And then you can be making the same amount you're making right now, or even maybe a pay cut. Yeah. Because you go in at an entry level, which is less than the government. So you go, well, why the fuck am I going to take a step down? I'm already making that money. Yeah. And before you know it, just tick tock, tick tock. And it's like you say, you wake up, you're 45, and you're like, what the fuck? Half of it, I can't get that time back. And now I'm 45 trying to get a job. Yeah. You know that a 20 year old's going after. Buy a Corvette or whatever yeah. people. Do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I really think and it's the same as like the, the strip thing, right? You just, I'm just trying to make some money right now for, for whatever it is. Yeah. You know, you, it's basically, I'm not saying, I'm saying strippers maybe just do it temporary and they get up, but it's the same mentality. I'm like, I don't want to do this, you know, but I'm going to do it for now until I make like, that money. Jesus Christ. I was going to say, it's like, you know, career rape it's like you're forced into doing this because there's nothing else out there well the amount it's, of people and some people it's like they're 30 by the time they just go all right fuck it i'll get the government job like yeah but i mean it's i think there's like there's like the, the whole keep and especially now with social media and 
keeping up with i mean everyone feels like shit now because of social media they go on instagram facebook and everything else where everybody just projects like this you know wonderful life that is absolutely fake yeah and not real and then they compare you always people always compare other people's positives to their own negatives they go these people have all this i have nothing when really you probably do have quite a bit and then you know they always do that chasmic you know discrepancy makes people go oh i need more money and i need more i need to be more i need to have more and then that's 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 a an illness i think generally from our entire species but it's uh yeah it's it's i think if you can recognize that and be like you know what i'm doing okay i'm that's what i'm trying to do am i like i'm i'm as guilty as anyone of like trying to keep up with the you know the joneses right but now i'm i'm aware of it and being like i don't need that shit i don't need i eat like you know really like between a millionaire and someone who makes whatever 50,000 a year like all you have to do is eat every day and and drink like you know good you know water or whatever and then you're going to live the same amount of time pretty much as that millionaire so yeah that's the currency that's yeah, the real currency then ultimately you're just making all those millions to have a little bit or you have more organic food which is nice but if you eat if you just make smart health or like dietary choices, you can eat pretty close to like a millionaire on like a. Well, and they're no happier. I, I, this is what I truly believe this. I like the same competitive, uh, competitive, maybe for lack of a better term, nature. Like when you and I are doing comedy, we strive for the growth, right? That mystery, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Because uh, there's a, there's a human nature tendency. That's like, that moves from, you know, scarcity to an abundance. So when something's plentiful, there's no interest in it. Yeah, we get that way with relationships. If you have an abundance, like again, people who own a, yeah. for luck, you know, just recently, uh, I met some people who own a winery, you know, or a, or a wine making place, whatever yeah. the fuck it's called. Uh, again, I don't know anything. Vineyard, but it's not a vineyard. It's <laughs> okay. the fucking like they ship uh, shit in, but it's like it's like the bottle your own wine place, wine okay. making, whatever the fuck. It, you know. <laughs> but I'm saying that like I guarantee those people are not crazy keen to go out and buy a bottle of wine. They've got, they probably have access to wine at all times. It's not something that ever concerns them. In fact, if you have access to something, again, abundance, yeah, there's no desire for it, right? So for like us, we're like, oh, I'd love to have a Corvette and I'd love to have the latest tech Corvette, and I'd love to have right. a nice big house. But like for them, the rich, they have that. There's no danger of that going anywhere. Do you know what I mean? So they're not like, oh, I can't wait to go buy something. Like they just, all right, so what else, what do I not have? Maybe it's like a higher level of success or that comparison thing to, yeah. you know, compare themselves on a fucking Forbes list of, of who's above them. I want to take that sixth spot. I want to move from yeah. six to, you know, it's seven all... to six. Like, so it's it's all like, what what do I not have? And and when you bring up the social media thing, it's like, I, I've said this before, this is how I refer to it. It's like, you're looking at everybody's demo reel of their life. Yeah, People are showing the absolute best parts of their lives. And I, I, it affected me in the last relationship. Every mm -hmm. time I, I disagreed with, with my girlfriend or anything like that, it was like, why, why do we fight? Like, look at everybody. If you look at everybody else, everybody else is happy. Why aren't we happy? It's like, no, they're fucking not. They're showing you the yeah. best versions of themselves. It's not that they're happy. They're showing you the happy parts. I don't post a lot on social media because I don't, I don't think that there's a whole lot that I'm doing that's overly interesting. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I too want to put the best version of myself out there. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to look like they're they're pulling up the rear in last place in terms of what they're projecting on social yeah. media. So I, I got to be honest with you. That's one of the things that I, I really, really enjoy about my podcast is that the more transparent I am about it and the more transparent with, you know, guys like yourself, my guests who come on and just go, eh, this is what I think. Yeah. You know, and everything's not great all the time. No, I, in fact, like if you read, um, 
I read a lot about depression because I suffer from it. And I, and I, you know, right now kids like, you know, in high school have on average the same anxiety levels as um, a committed, uh, like a mental patient in the fifties. Mm. There's also like, if you Google um, at school, there's a phrase or something. I think it's at school. School makes me feel, and you know what? It, it does the auto fill in. Okay. The first six words that come are school makes me feel depressed suicidal you know this and this like wow. just awful things and in reality like i think reality is 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 the opposite of, of social media where everybody is suffering you know in sort of quiet desperation to quote thoreau but uh and no one and everybody's just projecting this 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 image that's you know that they're not it's like that right and it's it's really uh and that's why i've never been on social media i've just i just couldn't handle i don't care enough really about strangers you know trips to the grocery store yeah but it's disingenuous what it is so it's yeah. a, rather than absorbing more of that and everyone to just process what you've got and i find everybody you've talked to anybody there's all these euphemisms like you're you know just like oh live in the moment you got to live in the moment well you're not in the moment if you're constantly on your phone looking into other people's moments and other people's so you take your own advice and put down your fucking phone for 10 minutes or whatever you know and and actually but then the reality of your own life that, you know, sitting in an empty room alone or something or, is going to make you depressed. So then you go back to the, to what, you know, just that, that dopamine fix that you're getting from social media. And, and there's a lot of people who have like a ton of cry for helps on there too. Oh, like, really? Well, if you see the reaching out, like having a bad day, you know, frowny face. And I used, at first I used to get frustrated because it's like, okay, you, they want everybody to be, oh, what's wrong? Like to pry, right? Other people to show right. interest and pry. And um, I mean, but, but the sad, the, the, the sad thing is that it's, it's, uh, it is a cry for help. I need attention. It is. I feel myself at times feeling something and just wanting to throw it out of the universe, but then Im immediately recognizing what it is I'm doing. I just go, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know? If I want to do that, I'll actually reach out for another human being and I'll own my feelings rather than being like, I'm just that. And then making other people, you know, yeah. to, to, I guess it's to create the illusion that like other people are really concerned. But it's like you throw that at their people and be like, oh, what's going on? But I'm like, why you know what? If you need to talk about something, just talk about it. Call, call somebody or, or post your real feelings on there. Yeah. If that's what you want, if you want attention to your feelings, then just put them out there and own them. I, again, I'm not suggesting that that's really the right thing to do. But I just, yeah. I know I've, I've seen that. You see people projecting their perfect lives. So that's one illusion, yeah. right? Or the other, I guess, illusion or, or method is to, you know, just say something and then have it be like, well, that's all I'm trying. I'm just trying to say I'm not happy right now. Well, why would you say that then? You want yeah. people to ask. You want people to it's, engage uh, in that. So it's a lot. I don't know. It's it's just, it's not real. It's like reality no. television. As soon as you can edit it and and shape it, then it's not the reality of what happened. Yeah. It's, it's. You know, well, it's, I think it's uh, it's giving we are willfully giving away our, our our own you know reality and our own the human experience to something that we've created, which is technology, and it's it's I I truly believe we are we're the architects of our own extinction, and that every like the only thing that's real now is social media, right? Or the frame. What you know, if you've ever read any Adbuster stuff, this Cal Lawson, the guy who created Adbusters. What is that, it, if you don't mind, just to give Busters is it's a magazine. It, um, it was in the '90s, and it was basically just uh, account the anti-culture or the counterculture to advertising media. So Hicks would have loved that. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Yeah, Bill Hicks was huge oh, against yeah. fucking oh, advertising. I'm sure, he would read every episode, every every you know edition. But 
Um, so we, we, right now we say ultimately kind of subconsciously that our reality is shit. And the only thing that matters is what's on TV, what's on the internet, what's on Instagram. Right. And so we are just giving our, our own life experience to those, you know, those frames, you know, what's ever in the frame. And it's really not doing us as humans any, any great progress or service. Right. We're just saying technology is what we value the most. It's what's the most real. And we are going to um, put pretty much disown ourselves and put our own our own souls pretty much into this this technology and photos of ourselves. And it's it's really this, this weird time in the human experience right now in the human existence that it's uh, it's eventually you know what I mean really why do we need humans anymore? Right, technology is doing everything. It's taking everybody's job. Like who knows? Auto you know driverless cars are going to be coming out. You're going to eliminate. Ten, at least 10 to 15% of the workforce you know, who drive trucks, taxis, blah, 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 you know, everybody who drives for a living, um, Ubers, everything. So right there, that's it's extremely... And we're building our own replacements. Absolutely. And we're doing it like with great joy, which is... Yeah, we're excited. Look what I made. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, at, okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird time in, to be a human, I think. Like even 25 years ago, before the internet happened, like... You went outside, you saw people, you couldn't, you could talk to them on the phone maybe, but it wasn't, you could reach out to Australia and look at photos from Australia in a second, you know, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned, I'm curious to see is what's going to happen to this. There's theorists um, who said that, that, that mankind, uh, <laughs> person kind, <Right. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's relevant for five minutes, Yeah. Uh, that, that uh, humankind has actually evolved to the point that we are at now and we've destroyed ourselves i think they say four or five times already like we've already gotten as far as we are now right we've destroyed ourselves and gotten back here and destroyed ourselves oh, and gotten back okay. here and destroyed ourselves. and i feel and they, and they say that you know we're, we're getting to the you know the precipice of, of where that that happens yeah because like you said we're, we're we're making ourselves to the point where we don't need ourselves anymore right we're making smarter and smarter like they're building intelligent life you know our, our artificial intelligence i apologize into humanoid things now like to, yeah. to make artificial human beings yeah and i'm not I, personally i'm not thinking like a you know terminator skynet kind of thing but it's just more or less that you we're building our own obsolescence absolutely 100%. you know what i mean so that we're like you don't need us for bank machines and that's a long time now yeah we haven't needed human beings for you know tellers yeah and then the self-checkout thing right yeah. and then now we don't need to drive our own cars yeah. You know, well, we started with, you don't need to own our own cars with Uber. Now where they're working on, you don't even need to anybody to drive a car. Yeah. You know, and then, why would you have this when you can have that? Don't do this because they can do that. Don't call the operator because you can Google it. Don't like, do you know what I mean? Like there's so many things that just, you won't need. I, I heard a comic on satellite radio the other day and I, I apologize. I cannot remember who they were. And I, I'm not even hundred percent sure it was satellite radio, but I think it was mm. who was saying how like they were talking about their like to-do list from, from 10 years ago or whatever. And they were talking about all the different things that they have to do now. And this does that for me. This does that for me. And she's like, I just realized that my life doesn't need me anymore. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's kind of the way to look at it is just we're building ourselves out of everything. And it seems that, you know, from whatever you talk to, mental illness has gone through the roof as technology has also progressed sort of in, in, the, in the same way, in the same time. And it's like, is it because... I mean, really in life, what, what do you do? Life is not that important. You get up, you eat, you sleep, you have sex, 
once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about that before the podcast. Yeah. Started. And then, and then you <laughs> Jeff die. and I are on hiatus yeah. right now. <laughs> Self-imposed, not really. But, <laughs> no. uh, <laughs> but you know, that's and that's it. Like you don't have a really a lot to do in life. But you, we create like you know, business is just busyness. That's all it is. You're right. And we create our own little agendas, our own little you know things we have to fulfill and then when technology takes those away we realize like we have too much time to think and go wait i don't what's my purpose here and like i think there's a lot of correlation between technology and mental illness and i was reading this thing where you know in the in the 50s sort of television became the destruction of the community where everyone once would go out to their to their street and block and just have a discussion and see what's going on in the world oh did you hear about this this happened here and then you got TV. So everybody went inside and they started just watching their own little TV to get their news. So now the community is not really a community much anymore. Then, and you didn't get your information from multiple sources, therefore less, you know, different biases or whatnot. Now you're getting it only from one source, which yeah. means you're getting only that one point of view. Point yeah. Of view. Yeah. And so then, and then people believe that to be gospel and truth. And then, you know, in the nineties, we had the internet come in and that, became the destruction of the family where once a family, you know, you could be alone with your family and watching the TV together. But now there's one of the kids is off on the internet, checking out fucking porn or whatever they're doing. So now <laughs> so that's now, what I was doing. Sure. Patiently waiting for all those lines of data to load in yeah. the picture. <laughs> God, it was a great time. So much anticipation, but, and then, you know, so the family kind of went to shit when the internet kind of came. And then now with smartphones and every single human being, you know, in the first world has their own device. It's the destruction of the self where you are not, you can't be at peace with your own self anymore because you're constantly inundated with, you know, every, everything in the world. Like it's a mini God in your pocket. You have, right. you have access to every piece of information, every photo, everything you could possibly imagine. And you lose your sense of self. Right. So it's really interesting. And then, you know, once you're gone, once the self is gone, what's left? So it's uh, I don't know it's 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 going to be a really interesting next decade or so to see where humanity goes from oh, here. This is the worst comedy podcast. Ever. Oh I'm yeah, yeah I was say. <laughs> no, I love these conversations. And just for anyone listening, every time Jeff and I go do a gig, fucking two three hours away, we have conversations. We get to just fucking sit and enjoy <laughs> intelligent. Yeah. For everyone's always like, "Wow, you guys are really not as funny off stage." <laughs> and they say that all the comics. It's because I tell people all the time that when we joke, those are like the exhaust fumes. Of, of processing all this fucking serious shit all the time. Yeah. Like we think about this kind of shit all the time. And then the funny is just the, the exhaust. Yeah. And it's, it's it, yeah, the, the, the whole thing too. Like I, I find, I guess I'm not scoffing at anything. At least I hope I'm not. I don't know. But I, I, there's like, I know people who know a lot of things. They right. know a lot of trivia. You know, they can name the capital of every country in the world, what have you. Mm -hmm. But personally, I'm not impressed by that anymore because theoretically, you know, uh, or in application, I, I can pull up my phone and know the answer to these questions in three or four seconds. Yeah. So to know something, it, it used to be impressive. Talk to Bill. Yeah. Right. He can name fucking every capital of every state or whatever it yeah. is. Right. Which is an impressive feat to be able to store that information and be able to, to recall it, you know, bring it up when it's when it's needed. But now if it's like, you know, someone could look at you and go, do you know the capital of fucking Kenya. Yeah. I don't even know if Kenya has a capital because I'm an idiot. But I could pull my phone and I'm like, yeah, there you go. See, you're smart. But I would go one second, pull up my phone. Yes, I know the capital of, you know, like yeah. I could look at it now. 
So for me, it's it's always been an application of knowledge. Like it's great to know something, but what yeah. are you doing with that knowledge? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Like it's it yeah, it's been an interesting thing. And of course, to be able to access everything and to see your life and compare it, like that is an, a, what I don't know who's responsible for the, the the saying the quote, but it is the comparison is the death of happiness mm. because you can. It doesn't matter what you do, what you achieve. If you, if as soon as you start comparing with somebody else, yeah, it's over, right? Well, I mean, because there's like, like look at Zuckerberg, right? How much money he has, whatever. But you can always be like, okay, well, somebody else got more. Yeah, somebody else did it faster. Somebody else, like, if if you're always comparing, you're always going to find a way to not be happy with where you are, what you have, what you've achieved, all those things. You can just compare them right the fuck away from yourself. Yeah. And that's why that's why I, I'm a big fan of of quotes and things like that that, that say you know you don't have to be better than anybody else you just have yeah. to be better than you were hold yourself to a standard of, of growth and things like that and that's how you don't destroy yourself like you said it's in your hand at any time you can find people who look happier than you and that's the thing too I mean certainly it's all image based and it's all you know it's all physical appearance which you know I mean for I mean it's starting to be with guys but I've always felt sort of bad for women in that. Like now, especially more than ever, it's like you can you make you fix yourself up on Photoshop and and you know, look absolutely completely f- fake and beautiful. But then women think that's reality, and they're like, "Oh my god, to compete, I have to be that beautiful." And it's total bullshit. Like I honestly like I don't. The most beautiful women to me are women that have something to say that I'm yep. I'm really interested in and 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 are smart and you know are at least you know insightful and and are kind. Like, you know, there's, you know, certainly in Ottawa, there's a lot of beautiful women, like physically, mm-hmm. I would, they're like a dime a dozen. You can, but if you but have nothing to say, if you have nothing to say, then you're not, I can look at you for five minutes before I'm, you know, more interested in someone else who's actually really got a personality. Exactly. It's like a, it's like a big screen television. You're like, whoa, isn't that cool? And yeah. then very quickly you're like, ah, there's nothing on though. Yeah. You know, all right, let's go do something else. <laughs> but that's the thing that, you know, like a lot of women strive for is do they spend 80 percent? i don't want to i don't know the stats or whatever but just make them up that's how i run this yeah, podcast okay. yeah, <laughs> of, you know young sadly a lot of young girls look oh my it's only you know value is my physical appearance and it's and it's sad because they don't develop much else of their i mean this is such a huge statement and i don't mean all young women don't but, worry about it i got i take shit on this podcast occasionally okay you're you're a good genuine person <laughs> just you just you you communicate it i'll i'll, I'll work but damage ladies, control on the back end <laughs> jesus be fucking you know impress yourself impress you know educate like just be <laughs> funny and nice and kind <laughs> educate and, yourself is not educate but i mean no like, but it's be it's, smart like there's a lot of terms that sound negative that i know everything Do you know what i mean like but you're but you're right but even but everybody educate ourselves yeah fuck i'm an idiot (laughs) no but but this thing is like it's selective that's why communication is so important if i may be so bold as to try to 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 paraphrase what you're saying yeah is the idea is that when you come to the table like right now you've said some things to me that i never heard before Mm. that are fascinating that that i'll also get the wheels turning on me to to you know contribute my own thoughts on it but that's why it's so fun to come to the table with something. It's like it's like it's great that your fucking hair is flawless. Mm-hmm. And for guys too, you fucking idiots lifting heavy shit all goddamn day so you have the perfect <laughs> abs and all that and getting your fucking hair done, spending your entire day working for money so you can, you know, take someone out to dinner, you look flawless so you can fuck them at the end. All right? There's there's people on both sides of the gender thing. I know gender's not a word anymore, but <laughs> what, no, okay. what I'm saying is is that if you don't come to the table with something to, 
I don't know, to reflect on, something to contribute. All right, it's great that you look great. Get your fucking mouth showed shut. Yeah. Do you know I, what I mean? Like, come, come, <laughs> offer something new. Stimulate somebody intellectually as well. And I don't, I don't mean come to the table and talk politics. I'm just saying fucking have an opinion, have an own your own thought that you have enough conviction in that you stand behind it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Have have something to say. Like, if it's great, you look I'm at a drunk. At a I'm photo. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. You look at a picture and you're like, wow, that girl looks interesting or whatever. And then you, you know, unless the caption or the, whatever she's talking about, like in her write up, you know, I'm talking about dating profiles, but, or just like Instagram or whatever. Like, I'm not even on these fucking things, but I've, through osmosis, I've seen it. I, everybody has it. So I, I know what it's about. Like, that's the most interesting part to me is to read, like, oh shit, that girl said something really cool. You know, like, yeah. So. Oh, there's, there's, I have women in my life. Like, again, um, you know, I'm not trying to take it back to, to where it's like, oh, I start drinking and now my pain comes out. But that's one of the things that I loved about Crystal is that she was somebody who had something to say. Do you know what I mean? She was a yeah. beautiful woman who had something to say. And I I enjoyed having conversations with her. Like she she knew, and I think you're the same way, not to project on you, but but you and I have had conversations where there's a lot of people. <laughs> Sorry, I see a text message coming in, but I usually put my uh, iPad on there. My brother, uh. my brother just texted, you should call your podcast Josh's Reviews. <laughs> but um, I'm the kind of person but I, I, I do get bored with people very quickly mm. and there's no part of me that, that thinks I'm better than a lot of people. In fact, when I'm by myself, I'm usually the hardest on myself in the sense that I, I, I try to hold myself to standards and go, dude, you don't fucking know how to do taxes properly. You don't know this. Yeah. You don't know shit about politics. Even though I, I am pretty politically aware. Yeah. It's like, you don't know shit about politics. You don't know how the fucking, if you had to buy it, you know, get a mortgage, do you even know the lawyers and yeah. the bank conversations? Like, I don't, I feel like I know nothing. Right. Yeah. But the amount of conversations that I get into, like, I feel that unless it's about mechanical stuff, like on a car, anything yeah. car automotive related, or maybe one or two other things in this universe, I can I can I can be a part of a conversation. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and in a, a humble way to say that I I don't really know this, but but I got this to contribute. Yeah, I just find so many people in regular conversations will sit stone faced, and I don't know if it's an introverted thing. I'm not trying to say it's because they don't know. It might just be how they communicate. Right. But I get tired of people quickly because. <laughs> Because you know? they're scared to say what's on their mind or what they really think. They're scared to say they're depressed. They're scared to say they're upset. They're scared to say, you know, I'm actually, I'm, I'm really happy because I, you know, I, I fucking did this little tiny thing in a video game that to you it's meaningless, but to me it's the world. So it's it's uh, what we're or conditioned to say and, and respond to. I forgot, I meant this, I wrote this down and I forgot to say it on my podcast last night because it was so fucking late when I recorded it. Right. But I told everybody how you and I went to that goofy board game store or whatever oh, yeah, yeah. that fucking dickhead didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. didn't tell me when i called that i don't have what you're looking for even yeah. though he's like yeah come on in we'll get it for you um but i was saying I, I forgot to tell them how on the way back you're like you know i'm like i'm not into that shit but i'm fucking i wish i was like good for these fucking nerds like reading comic <laughs> books and yeah playing dungeons and dragons and stuff like that they're like yeah i don't like this reality fuck it i'm gonna yeah <laughs> absolutely man they've chosen their own reality which is great i mean whether it's on a board game or a computer game like you know, and, or it's, you know, why is someone who's playing Dungeons and Dragons any different than someone's obsessed with Instagram? You're both on your fucking computer. You're obsessed with something, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not real. <laughs> it's not real. Exactly. But it's real to that person, you know? Yeah. But I mean, it's, I don't know, there's, you're saying you're getting bored with people. And I think that's like, kind of like, 
It's just that I can't it's, I can't stay in the conversation. So with Crystal, she used to see right. how disinterested I was with other people. And I and I'm not a piece of shit. Like I'm I'm very kind to people too, because kindness doesn't cost anything. Yeah. But I'm saying that if if it was my choice, like, hey, do you want to go out and have a conversation with a bunch of strangers at a bar? Fuck no. Yeah, no. Do you no. know what I mean? No. But because because more often than not, I'm not. But I mean, that's why you and I get along so well is that we can actually have conversations where we're both contributing things. I feel like you bring new concepts and ideas to a conversation that I don't have. I would hope that occasionally yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah, but I mean, like, but that's the thing. People are it's it's this expectation that you always have to be entertaining. You always have to be, you know, like in a relationship, right? You live with someone. What always happens is the way I, my relationships and you know, I would suspect many people's relationship goes is you meet someone for the first three to six months, it's fucking fireworks. It is great. You love this person. They're so interesting. They can do no wrong. And then you get a little further in the first year and you're like, ah, you know, we get along really well. Um, we don't, you know, you don't live together yet, but things are going great. They're just still in the same wavelengths. You have the same ideals and everything. And then you move in and you're together and then you got to, face your reality of every day of you know you both wake up you look you don't look you're not made up you you have to be with each other 20 you know not 24 hours but you're all the time and suddenly you're not as interesting as when you saw that person once or twice a week or whatever right you know because it's just and then that's and then it becomes people get disenchanted with the relationship they're like oh it's boring it's monotonous he always does this she always does that i'm getting sick of this it's because you're constant you're constantly together and i don't think that's you think that's what it is i don't think it's that like the con being like okay if you and i, I don't think I, you're wrong i'm just i'm, I'm fascinated yeah. like i like if you and i if i was to live with you josh and sleep in your fucking bed every night and you're so attractive <laughs> but i'd be doing very well I'd i would very, fucking <laughs> hate you not hate you really but i would be yelling at you and be more annoyed with you than if i see you <laughs> once or twice a week we hang out for 3 hours and we absence makes the heart grow fonder for sure and right. i think that the way jason you- jason says i can't miss you if you won't go away yeah. which is less romantic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like you know it's just i think that's the thing like you can't expect someone to be this this you know have all these new stories like every day you see the same person so you're like oh, I know what's going to happen in your day and I know there's nothing new. But if you see them once a week, you're like, oh, what happened this week? Oh, I got some shit to tell you. So it's like, I think the design of the common relationship or traditional relationship has been, it's a little, it's almost like too much time together. From, you know, I analyze a lot of couples who I know and see and the ones that I think thrive the most or are the best compatible are the ones that have their own little lives. They're like, you know, the, the, the lady's doing something at night. She's got a hobby. He's got another hobby. They're, they work in different areas. And then when they see each other, you know, for the brief time in the week, they're like, hey, we're happy to see you. I'm happy to be there. But it's, I don't know. I, I Yeah. I mean, I I, uh, I don't disagree, but I, I mean, I'm, it, it's funny. I think that the problem is uh, when the relationship is new, everyone's presenting their best self. Sure. Yeah. No vulnerability, no flaws. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that the, I guess the standard or the expectations that you set is that you know, everybody's perfect. And then once you start to get comfortable and right again, that, that scarcity, right? This person is new. I got to be the best, you know, they may not be around if I'm not the best version of myself, then that abundance things that we talked about earlier. Now they're around all the time. There's no worries. I can start to, I can stop holding in my farts and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all that funny stuff. You know what I mean? You know, you could pick your nose in front of them. Not that these are the first two things that I go for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the At idea the is that you time. start you start to actually be okay with the idea that oh, I'm a human being and they're a human being. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think that um, 
I don't know, because I'm I'm single now. I'm I keep toying with the ideas of like, how am I gonna do it next time? You know, am I just right. gonna be like, look, I'm a human being. I there's part of me that's just wanna be like, look, here's like the top three things that I can think about about myself that are embarrassing that you may hate. Yeah. And go, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure that that one's not gonna work the first time. So it's gonna be like an, an act. Right. Because <laughs> a reminder, we are comedians, right? As much as we're talking deeply. Um, you know, and you just try your your all right, with this, all right, that didn't work. All right, next time. <laughs> I'm going to try it this way and see how it goes. You keep polishing that presentation until it works. But it's, I, I think that a lot of it is just that like we, we do kind of like, Oh, you know, once, once everything stops, like you said, that honeymoon phase. Yeah. Once that wears off, the fireworks are gone. It's like, Oh, I don't know if I like that. I've heard, I mean, I, I am a bit of a, a romantic in the sense that I know a lot of quotes and things like that on love. And I love this one is one that I'm particularly fond of. It says like true love is not finding the perfect person. It's seeing someone's imperfections perfectly. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. It's <laughs> it, yeah. Uh, not mine. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I, but I like the idea of that. Do you know what I mean? I like the idea that I yeah. can see someone like there's, I don't know when I first heard that quote, you know, if you can't deal with me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Yeah. At first, I was like, oh, that's almost, it felt like a blanket sweep to get rid of your problems. Like, oh, you got to fucking put up with me. But but the truth is, is yeah, is if you can't be, I, I feel you, within reason, mm-hmm. at the end of the day is if you can't be there for someone, if you can't be someone's partner, if you can't give them love when they need it, do you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be a fair weather boyfriend or yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I want you, but I when only want you when, down. You're, yeah, when you're pristine. It's like no, it's like that's what a partnership is, and and whatever. Yeah, um, Jeff and I are going to be doing a live couples counseling. Uh, <laughs> that's that's um, But yeah, dude, I mean, like that's this is the kind of shit that you and I will talk about. We, we're only we're only at the hour mark. Um, only uh, an hour. <laughs> only an hour. But no, because like we've five. had conversations like this where for two three hours just on the way to a show. Oh fuck yeah! I actually told people um, on this podcast. I think it was like my third episode. Was when the podcast was fresh. But that time we we drove to God knows where Ontario. Yeah. Where you and I were driving, and we're like, oh look at all these nice houses. I could live in a place like this. And I pulled up my phone to find out where we are, and I had no service. I'm like, yeah, I can't live here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't live in a place with no cell phone reception. And then on the way back, that that very kind couple invited us. Oh, to yeah. go see the cabins or whatever. Yeah, that retreat. And then they were like, watch out, let me go first. There's bears. And I'm like, well, I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. I'm like, I think the only thing I know is to punch a bear in the nose. Yeah. <laughs> so I was telling people with that story. I'm like, yeah, you're, like all these people know this area is pitch black. And I'm like, if a bear comes, I'm not the fastest one. I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? No, it's, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, uh, I like those, those are the, fun like i mean it's as weird and fucking insane as these shows are like that's it's more interesting to me than you know going to an office yeah you got the craziest thing happened today it was helen's going away party <laughs> and they got her a chocolate cake but helen doesn't like chocolate i know a girl who doesn't like chocolate what's up with that but she, <laughs> it's like those but those are the office stories right yeah. and i'm like i'm like yeah i i thought i was gonna get eaten by a bear remember when they showed us that fucking cap like the little storage shed and they're like oh you can oh see here God. where a bear broke down the door i'm like i'm fucking dead i was the whole time I'm i was like dead. i was more scared of the people i was like nobody <laughs> nobody's this kind nobody's gonna like kill this. us <laughs> yeah they invite us to this crazy you know retreat cabin place just to show us around i was like we're fucking dead man yeah but, but again you're faster than me and yeah, they're gonna yeah, know how yeah. long it's gonna take for them to carve me up that's what i was you know comforted I mean? by i was like i'm, <laughs> I'm outrunning josh so it's all good that's but, so funny yeah uh Oh, here's my, okay, so why don't we just throw this in here? It's podcast related. Okay. My brother text messaged me, you haven't given a medical update on, Jesus Christ, 
on your CT scan, by the way. Don't know if you got, this is how I read emails now. I just get a text message. Nobody emails it. Uh, yeah, you haven't given a medical update on your CT scan, by the way. Don't know if you got the results. Because of my fatty liver, I had a fibro scan done. You should have Dr. Girth send you for one. Dr. Girth. That's my name. I, right. I'm a fat guy. My doctor's name is Girth. That's incredible. Fucking everything is goddamn. The universe loves just sticking its thumb in my fucking face. Uh, send you for one. It will tell you if you have cirrhosis or not. Because I haven't got enough shit. Dude, I got diabetes. I have a, f- a fatty liver, yeah. fatty pancreas. Um, I got a hernia. I'm okay. stupid. I have some, I'm on the spectrum in some way. I'm certain of it. Yet you have a podcast that's very fascinating. Right? Yeah, yeah but everybody can. That, you know, what's his face there? I'm sure William Hung has got podcasts. Uh, I'm not saying he's on the spectrum. That's the name, that's the name you go with? You, I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's the point of this whole podcast. Listen to a guy who doesn't know shit, pretend like he's enlightened. Uh, what does this say? Yeah, my brother's like, you should see if you have cirrhosis or not. You should really know I have it. And if, uh, sorry, Aaron, by the way, if this is something you didn't want on the podcast because I'm reading it. And I'm drunk. Uh, you should really know I have it, and I've only been overweight for three years. You can tell him my result is thirty-seven, or sorry, thirteen point seven KPA. If he needs a benchmark, well, that wasn't very interesting. Medical advice or medical results? Meh. Yeah. Again, I apologize, but I'm drunk. If he gets really upset, I can take the episode down entirely sure. based on his thirteen point seven KPA. Which do you know what KPA means? No. Kilo, I think kilo, honestly, not kilopascals. No, kilopascals isn't that a temperature? I don't know. It's a measure, a unit of pressure, no, isn't it? We don't know anything. Yeah. We just lost all credibility <laughs> for being intelligent and enlightened by doing this yeah. at a moment's time. So it's so funny. Uh, yeah, I think if someone wants to stalk my brother and, and find out what all this shit means, I think they deserve to. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've we've done a ton of shows that, like I said, at the end of the day, all this shit that we have that we're talking about and processing. I'd still like the adventure of maybe getting murdered in the woods by either a bear or yeah. two incredibly nice couple people. German couple, yeah. Were they German? The one guy was from Germany. The lady was Canadian. But. Oh, I didn't. If I had known that, I'd never would have. <laughs> <laughs> but you and I have done like like we did shows for. We did that that kids hockey tournament uh, one where they didn't give. <laughs> you did pretty good. I did. I fuck. I bailed early. What I was, was it like, that they asked me to do dab. Was it? dab or whatever i guess pictures of these kids like the parents didn't give a fuck that we were there no no but they the kids swinging loved in the us yeah the kids absolutely loved us i have pictures of me entertaining children that's and those are the days where i'm like eh, it was fun but what the fuck am i doing with my life oh that's every day for me <laughs> we uh ladies and gentlemen my friend jeff and i we were the uh, entertainment for the uh Last day of the Muslim Association of Canada's, oh, what was that, Ramadan? Yeah. They had like, what, 1,500 Muslims. <laughs> um, did I say that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just worried. Yeah. Hey, it was 1,500 Muslims. Now, I had done a show for them a few months prior. They had liked me, so they hired me Both to come us. back. Were you on that show too? Yeah, you and me went to the- uh, that, The, the one on Colonnade? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were on that, so I didn't want to like, throw you under the bus. And no, you were on part of the show. Of yeah, so Jeff and I had done this show, and wasn't it funny? We walked in. So here's another thing that that comics get. We are not really respected in the sense people don't really know what it is we do. So Jeff and I come to the show, and Jeff and I have written material. We've spent a lot of time coming up with our own ideas and writing our own material. We walk in the door, and the guy's like, uh, hey, if you guys want to do something like uh, the debaters or whatever, feel free to you know go ahead and do that because we like the debaters. And we're like, well, we haven't, you know, we haven't written anything for that. 
And he goes, well, if you just want to do something that somebody else has done, we're like, yeah, that's not how our business works. We don't just steal someone else's material and regurgitate it. So we we did a show for them. They had a great time. So they basically reached out to us to do their show again. They wanted it, but this time they wanted some debaters type material. So Jeff and I, um, <laughs> two two Caucasian, basically, you know, like the enemy right now. If you yeah. look at if you look at the social climate right now, um, they hired the enemy to perform at the uh, the last day of Ramadan celebration for the Muslim Association of Canada. And we uh, we proceeded to do like, uh, I, and they actually liked it. Yeah, the, the eight people paying attention out of the 1,500. <laughs> out of the 1,500, the uh, eight paying attention. But uh, but that was another thing too, because Jeff and I walked in and we're like, oh God, this is going to be death. Oh yeah, this you can tell, as a comic, after you've done this for several years, you can look at a room and you can project with probably 80% accuracy this is going to go horribly or this is going to go okay. We did follow uh, Ray's reptiles. So after the children yeah. <laughs> got to pet live alligators, they have Jeff and Josh arguing about what whether men are lazy or not. Oh my God. And I think that just looking at me, the answer was yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then listening to both of our presentations, the answer is yes. Um, I, I once did a show. Uh, it was for a women's shelter, a fundraiser for a women's shelter. And... The act that was up before me, they read a poem about a dead child. Oh my god! And then they're like, "And here's the comedian." And, I, and it, it was, yeah, it was rough, man. It was really rough. Some people don't really know how to set the stage for comedy. You yeah. know, like dessert and coffee <laughs> go together. Yeah, but it's like, all right, wine and cheesecake. Do those go together? I, don't, I hope they don't. Yeah. That was the example I was going for. I think they do. I've never <laughs> eaten cheesecake in my whole life, and I never will. It's gonna kill you, right? No, it's just I have a I have a, a vendetta against it. Whereas like every since a I was vendetta a kid, against cheesecake. Yeah. Well, guess what, buddy? You just pissed off half the women that may have fucked you in the future. That's fine. There's like there's <laughs> a vendetta against cheesecake. No, I've I've ever like my whole you know I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was a kid, so like it was highly sugar. So I just never ate it until I was like I was never even offered it until I was like late teens, and then somebody's like, "Hey, have some cheesecake," and I was like, "You know what? No." I am going to go through my whole life without eating this, like, you know, this delicious cheesecake that everybody so, so claims is so great. So was this this childhood Disney pack that you made with yourself? I'm never eating yeah, cheesecake. Yeah, it was. And I've, and I've been at restaurants where, like, I've these waiters have overheard me saying, like, no, I've never eaten cheesecake, never will. They've come back with a free slice of cheesecake and be like, you got to eat it here, man. It's so good. I'm like, nope, never going to happen. So, so that's have. the thing. You, but even like deathbed shit, you're not gonna be like, look, I made it. I fucking I stuck to my shit, but I do want to know. There's like you nope. you know that strong of a will. Yeah, I've looked at it, I've smelled it. I was like, it doesn't look that the good. The smell is not the same as the taste. Uh, see, that's what that's the no, okay, suspect. So you've had bacon. I've had bacon, yeah. So imagine I told you I know somebody who's just decided that fuck you, I'm never trying bacon. Yeah. Would there not be a small part of you like, dude, you got to fucking try I would it. It is one of the most individual. flavor. I'd be like, you would champion it. Fuck Absolutely. you. I think it's Absolutely. Awesome. Really? Like, never try it. Never fucking come down to our level. It's like. Never come down to our level. Well, what if it was something else? I don't know. I just, that part of me is fascinated by that. Because I have a friend who's like, oh, I'd never eat pork. I'm like, but, but. Yeah. And I guess it's almost like, well, why try bacon when you're just going to love it and want it? I, you know what? I have that same thought on, on cocaine. Surprisingly <laughs> enough, I mean, your two guys' things are totally legal for you to try. Uh -huh. But I'm just saying, I know my my personality, and this part of me is like, I I can't try cocaine. Everybody raves about it, and it, I guarantee you, is one of the few things in the world that would have a constant five star review. 
But I'm just like, I know my personality. Why try something that odds are I'm going to enjoy? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If I started to develop a thing for it, I'd probably lose weight because you don't eat or whatever. Sure, yeah. You move around a lot. So I get it. I think I think you're just like, you know what? It seems to be a very popular thing. Why would I try it? Is there any part of you is that? Or are you just are you just fucking fuck you, cheesecake? I'm Everyone loves stubborn. you and I'm not having you. Absolutely. I you know, it's like I don't disclose my age. I, I like I like the mystery too much of certain Jeff's things. Jeff's fifty six, by the way. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> but there's like I like uh I like leaving some unknowns out there. Like, you know, I it it definitely like cheesecake, I like, like you it, wouldn't eat cheesecake if two supermodels were like, you take a bite, we'll fuck you. Just just to be no, I would that would I would that would encourage me more not to eat it. Really? Yeah, so absolutely. that you could say, you know what? I have not there was two I don't you, care about saying to you people, Steve, my fucking waiter, you think you're gonna put it on me? I turned down two supermodels. I don't care what I have to say to people. I'm just like I am sticking to this conviction. You can come with you, you can have fucking, you know, whoever, Heidi Klum or whoever in her heyday. In her heyday. Yeah. You have the ones picked out. I think she was outstanding too. I love that you have the ones picked up. Oh, You're like, yeah, just, I know who I would fuck. But no. there's nothing, nothing, no, nothing on this earth that would make me try cheesecake. I don't give. I, just I, don't I, care. Like, I would, I would fucking gack up and, a rail if it was two supermodels. I would do that. No, and that would be the last thing. Then that, would be, that would be you, me man. on the street. Yeah, but I'd be on the street and I'd have that. St- I don't know. You gotta. Control I'm a weak your, person. You gotta be like in control <laughs> of like. It's like being tortured until they, you know. I would, I would fucking die before I, I would give up like information that I didn't want to give up. Really? Just out of total spite. I, I have a fear of. I, I. I. I'm just I'm being totally transparent. I think I. My fear of death. I. Was, I, I don't think I could die if someone's like, oh "What's Jeff's age?" <laughs> <laughs> I know it. I think I would give that up. I would almost. I, lo- I would like <laughs> love the opportunity to just put my middle finger up and be like, "Fuck you, kill me. I'm not eating that cheesecake <laughs> or whatever." You know. Really? So life or death. it's it's i'm that stubborn and that spiteful where i'm just like this is my conviction and if you're trying so hard to persuade me to 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 break it fuck you i'm almost like like if i ever catch you having a diabetic seizure i want to put a spoonful (laughs) of cheesecake in your mouth oh my guess what i did to you i saved your life but guess what i I have pictures and fucking you're like "Mm." (laughs) so here's (laughs) i had this idea for like like that's because sugar would save you right it would. And I've yeah. asked. I now now just, just before I before we go back to the funny. I do want to say that that Jeff is a good friend of mine, and I do love this guy very much. I love working with him. He's a good person. Um, and I've asked a few times because I, I I forget the procedures. Jeff is diabetic, and I, I've said to him before. I'm like, dude, if you ever have a seizure and we're together, like, what what should I do in that instance? You know, because I would hate for you know. I'm the only person there to help you. Yeah, yeah. You die because I didn't know what to do. Right. And you've always educated me that just, you know, so for anybody who's got a friend who may be diabetic, is it the same generally speaking? Yeah. If you start seizing up, what is this? Then? Now, can you, again, Orange we'll go back. Orange juice, Coke, something liquid that they're not going to What choke. are the warning signs? So if you're in a low, like you have a low blood sugar, you're going to be like really disoriented, maybe angry. Just you, you seem like drunk and you're just like, you're not yourself. And that lasts about 15 or 20 minutes before you hit the ground and you are probably convulsing. So yeah, basically you're, there's not enough sugar in your, in your body to, to get to your cells, to, you know, get to your brain to tell you how to operate life. So um, yeah, basically just. And generally speaking, all the shit that we should give you is the stuff that's going to kill you on a regular basis. Yeah, exactly. Like it's. Uh, <laughs> Poison is very selective. It's true. 
but yeah, no, it's just uh, it just gives just give everybody as much sugar as you can fucking throw at them. <laughs> so, but, but so the, so you don't have like there's no limit. Chug chug orange juice, whatever. Like, well, until I'm revived, until I'm like, yeah, 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 like, oh, hey, man. But yeah, then it's like cut that shit out after that. But but if I put a spoonful of cheesecake in your mouth while you're starting <laughs> to be that guy, that might help help save you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd resent you for it. I'd be like, you should have killed me. You fucking, you you gave me cheesecake, you son of a I had an idea for like a a sitcom episode where like there's this lady who's choking um, on whatever. And and this guy like starts like, you know, he does a Heimlich maneuver on her and he saves her life. But as as he does it, he grabs a feel of her tits. And he's just like, (laughs) And so then that's the, the paying the toll. Kind of yeah. Thing. And then she's like, she, she gets like all revived and everything. And she's fine. And she's like, but I think he kind of sexually assaulted me. And then does she go back to him and be like, you did save my life, but you sexually assaulted me. So I'm going to take you to so court. Or is he thing. like, that's so it lady. I get to grab your boobs. Cause I saved your life. Like, so it's so, okay. So here's my issue with that. You okay. could have saved her life without doing that. However, I stuffed cheesecake in your mouth. Let's just say it's one of those situations where it's a fucking dinner show and the only thing that they had left on the dessert bar was that yeah. there wasn't any Coke. There wasn't a time for me to jump the fucking bar across the room. I I'd just, I grabbed a slab. Of, that never, never happened. We know that. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, so let's, let's say there wasn't time. Let's just say I just wasn't capable of jumping. The bar. I'm like, all right, the cheesecake. So that is one of those like, well, that's how he had to save his life. I yeah. had, I know, I didn't have to cop a feel. You know what I mean? I'm not going to give you a happy ending and then save your life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, you, I'm trying to get the blood flowing again. <laughs> you've ruined my life's work, Josh, avoiding cheesecake. But no, yeah, I would be thrilled that you saved my life. And I'd be like, really? The cheesecake, Josh? Would you, you be able to, to convince yourself that because you weren't conscious and you didn't taste Absolutely. it? You did. That's how you I restructure would make the... I swear. I'd be like, I never ate cheesecake. You saw this. You saved me with a, oh, a no. can You'd of You'd be coke. living a lie at that point. <laughs> You'd be. be no better than all the people you despise. <laughs> <laughs> I got to start drinking every time I do a podcast. I'm having more fun just loosening up. I'm less terrified that I'm going to get you know, canceled. Can't cancel a fucking free show. <laughs> You're the person you know I mean? we canceled. Dude, it's like we were talking about before. Everyone's afraid of saying what they think or feel. I'm a, I'd like to think that I'm a good person, that I don't hate anybody and I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Right, yeah. But the only time I ever got in shit on my podcast was when I was trying to uh, educate and share information. I won't go into that. We talk, we've talked about it before. Right. But I'm just like, so it's so funny. But you, yeah, you know, I have a little bit of wine here, like a couple but of fancy bitches, and we uh, we loosen up a little bit, share some ha ha. I, I cannot tolerate, you know, every comic who's, who's a comic is completely intolerant of this culture of, you know, political correctness and that your opinion counts. If I say something that's truly derogatory, like a, you know, a horrendous statement, then yeah, call me out on it. But if I make it innocuous, you know, little vignette in whatever I'm saying, and you take it the wrong way. Like, it's like, you know, I had this whole other kind of idea for a sketch where, you know, some guy was abused by his dad with a chair, you know, when he was a kid. So then like, he's going to this group and, you know, for abused people. And they're like, he's like, okay, can you just take out all the chairs from the room? Because, you know, we just was abused by a chair and nobody. So then the guy, the, 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 the guy's like, you know, the, the, curator of the group is like okay everybody no chairs no chairs everybody's like well we got to sit on the floor yes we must sit on the floor well i have a bad back so we can't sit on the floor okay everybody we have to take out the floor there's no floor anymore it just gets like just because you have a fucking opinion about something or you're slightly offended by someone who didn't actually maliciously say anything i kind of think and they need to cater to these fucking go fuck yourself that's honestly, <laughs> really, that's what I feel. You are the cheesecake to Jeff in that moment. 
<laughs> Absolutely. That should happen. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And I, and I, I, uh, when I, when I did the interview with Pete Johansson, Pete was saying that like, <sighs> we're trying to, to, to grow and this, I'm paraphrasing just, just overall the conversation. We are trying to grow. Pete was saying that people need to be able to make mistakes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like people need to, and it's not, not, it's not deliberately going out and trying to do them, but to be able to, to, to make a mistake because that's where we learn and grow from. We learn from our mistakes. And right now everybody's afraid of everything. You're afraid to talk. You're afraid to, yeah. to, to, to think something because it might not be correct. Um, Danny Polchuk, who a uh, little plug for him, mm. uh, is hosting Absolute Comedy. Very all week. funny. Yeah, Very funny. I, I uh, he did a spot in uh, January when I was in Absolute in Toronto, and he had this great joke where he was. Uh, and I apologize; it's not going to be one hundred percent verbatim, but the joke he was talking about, like uh, the the trans stuff right now, is he was saying like the first he's like gender is not a thing anymore. Yeah, uh, you know he goes uh, I. First 30, you know, I'm 34, the first 32 years of my life, they're like, uh, hey, uh, you know, gender is this, uh, man is this, woman is that, and, uh, you know, all right, on with your business. And he goes, in the last two years, it's been like, hey, you know, everything that we know about uh, gender, uh, it's all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, okay, uh, all right, I guess, um, I have a question. Uh, no. <laughs> no questions. Yep. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm not trying to be a dick or anything. I just, I don't understand. I have a, I have a question. I'm like, okay, you can ask a question, or you can be transphobic. Yeah. What, uh, <laughs> what is it that you, <laughs> what do you want to do? Yeah. He's like, well, I'm not trying to just, I don't understand. I want to ask a question. It's the culture you of know? obey, man. Obey, well, and, obey, obey, obey. And that's the thing. And I, I, uh, fuck it. We're having this conversation. Send in your emails. Contact at onemanpodcast.com. Get mad at me if I'm a piece of shit. Um, I, I would hope that after an hour and 36 minutes, they know that we're decent human beings <laughs> um, or, or we just hate everybody regardless. Um, I, I think the problem is I, I'm really, I'm actually personally, I'm behind everybody being able to be the, the person that they are. I don't give a, I, I don't, Yeah, of I, I, it sounds bad to say, I don't give a shit what you identify or whatever. The idea is that I just, I want everybody to be happy, be comfortable in your own skin. You know, mm. I don't, I don't care how you identify yeah um in the sense that I, I i don't need to even put you in a box you know you're a human being if you need to start you know using binomial nomenclature yeah. in an, in a standard of just well i'm this i'm this i'm all of those things are just thing ways of separating you from other people if we're all just human beings let's leave it at that but the issue that i have because i feel like it's counterproductive is that people even like like myself who are trying to understand because I don't know it's not something that affects my life and I am privileged in that regard but I want to understand I want to broaden my horizons and it is very it feels in my stupid uneducated humble opinion that to even ask questions is met with violent mm -hmm. opposition yeah. and and response and my position is if you want, if you're, if you're trying to educate some people on something new, like I, I work in telecom, I work in a, an electronics store, not anymore, but, uh, <laughs> but I get senior citizens who come in and what I'm trying to teach them, they are violently opposed to, they don't know it. It's scary to them, Sure. but rather than going, what are you fucking stupid? How the fuck do you not know about this? It's been around forever. You don't, yeah. I say, look, don't tell yourself that you can't do it. Okay. 
I will I will make this comfortable for you. I will make it easy. If if I'm explaining it to you and I lose at any point, let me know. I will I will show you. We'll go back to that and we'll start again from there. I'll find a different way to explain it to you. Mm. But the idea is that I make it warm and comfortable for someone to come in and learn about something they don't know. Yeah. And I feel like that the position that the world is in right now is that there's a lot of new ideas that are confusing to some, that are unaccepted by others, and that <laughs> Jeff yeah. is I, like I, I'm so sorry I'm, I'm doing all the talking right now, but rather than making it a warm climate for for those who want to come in and learn and be a part of it, who embrace it and go, okay, I'm open to this, but I just don't know enough. Can you help me learn? Yeah, people are angry. People are treating everyone like they're 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 a horrible human being for not just knowing something that they've never had an opportunity to explore, and I think that there's a human nature thing that when people feel attacked, they attack back. Mm. So rather than saying I don't know, I have questions, and people get angry. What are you fucking trans? If you come at like if you come at me again, even instinctually, I I don't mean to be that person. But if if I'm told that I'm a bad person for just not knowing something, oh, yeah. I don't wake up knowing new things. But I want everyone to feel okay. But if I don't understand, like my big thing was I tried to find out what all the LGBTQ stuff plus right. meant. And I couldn't find any any harmony in the definitions. Right. So I just did my best with what I could find to share it. I got in shit because my definitions weren't good enough. Fuck so em. being open-minded and trying to be progressive, I got in shit. I was, I was rewarded for being open-minded with hostility and and punishment yeah just because you're ignorant of the big picture or whatever the political definitions are when you met when you meet any of these people or whoever whatever sexuality or gender they are you treat them like a human being yeah that's ultimately the only thing that matters and like i don't again like why do like people are so fucking quick to give up their own power like just you people just give it away like if someone says to you oh i don't like the way you said this, people go, oh, do you? Do you? Oh, sorry. No, you don't say sorry. I say, well, why not? Let's fucking discuss this. Right. Because you might not be right. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you're right. And and it, it sickens me that you know people back down because just the accusation implies guilt. And that's the worst. You know, right. Absolutely. Pollutant. And that's the thing is if you make somebody feel like they're being attacked, they'll attack back and it makes them defensive. Yeah. Now, instead of a conversation where there's ideas being presented and we can all look at them and shuffle them around and, and whatnot, position them, now it's just, now on the defensive, I've just been accused of something. You're attacking yeah. me, now I need to, to defend or attack back. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of fucking shitty. I never understand how people have the time to hate. Like, that's my thing is like, you know, you see these people outside with anti-abortion signs and all this shit and like, you know, whatever, you can have your own views, but I in my life, again, I don't even have a family. I don't have all these responsibilities. I don't have time to pick something like abortion, for example, and start picketing. Like, you know, I, I think it's... I'm just lazy. I'd go to the gym. If I'm going to walk around yeah, in circles, I'm going to... I got too much shit to do. I can't fucking hate yeah. you for not being male or female. Or, <laughs> I don't even care. I don't care. Like, Well, um, I read this, and by read, I mean I listened to the audiobook. But uh, <laughs> well, does that count? I acquired the information yeah, from a of book. Of course it counts. You think so? But, but can you say I read? I didn't read it. Who gives a fuck? Right? You got the information. I read, I read the button that said play. Yeah. I said play and I hit sure. play. You're more productive. Uh, you're more efficient. That's it. <laughs> There's a great book by, I, I might lose some people who know, uh, but Deepak Chopra. Yeah. He, he has a great book called The Ultimate Happiness Prescription. Hmm. And it's, it's outstanding. Now, I got this book as a CD, like the audio book. 
And I put it into my my iTunes library. But the problem was is that because it's different chapters and tracks, it shuffled them into my regular library. So I would just hear random parts of this book in in passing. I never I never said, okay, I'm gonna listen to this right now. So I got random pieces of it. So I I haven't read the entire thing, listened to the entire thing. Um, but there's a great uh, a great part of it that says, give up the need to be right. If you want to be happy, you have to give up the yeah. need to be right because it's a very it's very ego uh, centered way of being. Right. And because when you're right, that means that somebody else has to be wrong. Mm. And to make somebody else feel wrong ruins more relationships. And I don't mean like you know husband and wife or what have you, like like romantic relationships, but any kind of relationship because the idea is that the world is based on multiple different points of view. And just because something is different than your point of view doesn't mean that it's wrong. Mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So to be open. So like, for example, with the, just as your example was, was, you know, picketing abortion clinics or whatever it is, just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean that, you know, the other person is wrong. Yeah. And even though you're picketing and you're angry and whatever it is, it's not going to make you happy to, to be projecting, um, you know, somebody else to be wrong in their ideas. Yeah. So like that's, that goes back to kind of what I was saying in the sense that it's, it's better to create a warm client, uh, client climate where people can have discussions, where no one's attacked for not understanding or for for having a different point of view. Yeah. If that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? I find that the best way to help somebody understand something is not to make them feel stupid or wrong for not just knowing, but going, you know, what what do you understand from what I've said so far? Maybe look at it like this. You know, yeah. and at the end of the day, because when people look at something and they don't necessarily agree, at least that they can create a counter argument or point yeah and now new information is being provided as opposed to just someone doesn't understand and now you're just making them feel like shit for not understanding yeah because then that person goes well i don't want to be a part of that i tried to put my foot into that world and i just felt awful yeah so and why do people have to be a part of everything you know like you can there's no like you don't have to be accepted like that's why you and i perform together yeah like a lot of times people will love you and fucking hate me and, Fuck vi- and vice versa you know sometimes yeah. so it's like you don't have to like everything and that's part of you know and just you know just because you have a, an opinion about something and you want to make it public and that you know i think this and this other person's wrong good for you but you know to me you're still fucking wrong and i don't care about you <laughs> ultimately why do i have to care about what somebody well, that's thinks true yeah a lot of people have that that need for validation just in the sense that like that they will not stop arguing until it's like well you yeah. think that the way i think it's like well it's just, that's just how fucking boring would the world be if everybody was identical in all facets, opinions, characteristics, all We'd that all shit. kill ourselves when we were like 12. We'd be like, this is stupid. <laughs> I think 12's a stretch. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, just take this thing and steer it back to some other stuff. But as much as we've gotten away from comedy, like, dude, you've, you've accomplished some pretty spectacular things. And you've actually had an opportunity to do some pretty amazing things. Like you, was it, what, a couple years ago? Two, two, three years ago, you uh, you were part of like a Team Canada sort of showcase tour around the world. Uh, yeah, we were, I was uh, picked uh, by the government, oddly enough, to do shows for uh, Canadian forces in Kuwait, Ukraine, France. Um, yeah, it was pretty incredible. We flew on the prime minister's plane. I was with a bunch of Canadian public. Prime Minister Harper at the time, right? No. Uh, was it Trudeau's plane? It was 2016. It was April 2016. So it must have been, yeah, it was Harper. But um or am I right on that? When was I Trudeau know. elected? I think it was October 2016. But um, okay, so it could have been uh, his or maybe 15. Plans. A lot of hair products on the the plane. 15. No, it was Trudeau's plane. So 
Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, that <laughs> yeah, was great. I went with like Arlene Dickinson and, uh, the commissioner of the CFL, a bunch of CFL and NHL guys. And, and we just, uh, we brought the gray cup with us. So, and we just went to different, uh, you know, Canadian forces bases and, and did shows for them, which they were truly appreciative of. And I, it was an unbelievable experience. Like, um, you know, one night we were sleeping 30 kilometers from the Iraqi border in a, a very heavily, uh, militarized, um, you know, base and we hear the planes going overhead thinking like, oh God, who knows what could happen. And then the next day we, I was doing a show on a battleship in the middle of the Mediterranean. And then, uh, yeah. And then in the middle of some weird field in Ukraine, like, you know, three days later, it was a whirlwind tour, but it was, it was unreal. It was certainly, you know, and you know, as much as I, I might not agree with the political motives as to what the Canadian forces are doing in the world, I absolutely give you know the 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 men the, the you know the men and women doing it and any other gender doing it <laughs> um i have my full support and you know they put they, they work hard and they you know they do great things but you know it's just always that it comes you know i always say like let's say a fucking maniac like donald trump was elected our prime minister and he wanted our canadian forces to to go in you know and just invade some country and do some horrible things like as a troop would you just obey and go yeah, well, I'm going to kill all these people because this this asshole says so. Or are you going to be like, fuck that guy, I'm quitting. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's a tough choice to make as a, as a, one of the forces. And it's just, uh, you know, I, that's why I could never do it just because if there was something I disagreed with, you know, personally or whatever, I just would be like, no, nah, I'm out. Fuck it, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So, um, but no, I, I have a huge uh, respect for all the people who sacrifice their lives for... You know, it's not necessarily our freedom because really no one's invading us, but to help, you know, ultimately, you know, all political factors aside, helping make the world a better place, hopefully. Now you're referring to the government workers right now. <laughs> People have sacrificed their lives. Yeah, to make <laughs> pretty much. The troops, man. The troops. No, but yeah, no, it was a great experience. Comic. I've never done, I'll never do another show in, on a battleship in the middle of the Mediterranean. So it was pretty cool. Are you sure? I don't know. Maybe they might count. Now, what me. if that was your cheesecake? I'll never <laughs> perform on a battleship, and then you just did. Would you say that? <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Um. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's that's incredible. Now, like, just out of curiosity, because I actually meant to, to ask you this a long time ago. Um, you performing, I get you're doing stand up comedy and whatnot. But our and Arlene, I can imagine now. For anyone who doesn't know, Ar Arlene is is got her fame. Dragon's Den. Dragon's Den. Her yeah. fame, her success, everything based on her, you know, uh, what is it, Venture is yeah. the name of her company. Um, Arlene is an outstanding marketer, but but Arlene Dickinson is a household name in Canada based on her appearances and her, her tenure on uh, Dragon's Den. So I can imagine Arlene maybe doing some speeches and some, you know, yeah. TED Talks or whatever on, on, you know, business marketing and things like that, um, which everyone knows troops need. Right, the troops yeah. are like, when you come back, you guys are all getting into marketing. <laughs> yeah, we're all um, millionaires. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my my thoughts though is like the the CFL players and stuff like that. Like, what exactly were they doing show wise? Were they telling stories or no? They did. They, I mean, they some of them would come out and they just say hello. Like they're you know kind of old retired players who it was just a it's a. I mean, the troops for their they're on eight month tours, I guess, and their day-to-day -day is pretty, hopefully, actually monotonous because they don't want to necessarily be engaged in some kind of, you know, you know, crazy war. So their day is, every day is similar to them. So, you know, when Canadian, this delegation goes over to entertain them or just say hello and thank you, um, it's a big thing for them because it's the one day of their, maybe their eight-month tour where they're like, holy shit, this is, 
is people coming to see us. Yeah. Some Canadians that we know. Um, so it's a, you know, it's, and they're, yeah, that's, so the, the, the players didn't do that much. Like they just kind of signed autographs, took photos, gave some jerseys out. Okay. Um, they're, yeah, they're really great, great people, nice guys. And, you know, and, uh, yeah, there was, it was fun. It was super fun. In terms of like performance and, and presentation. So it was yourself doing comedy. Yeah. There what is was, was, was I right on Arlene? She's basically motivational. Yeah, she would say some, you know, a few uh, words. Um, she's an honorary. Uh, I don't know if it's what the if not captain, but she's an honorary something. She does a lot of these things. She's okay. heavily involved with Canadian Forces. Uh, you know, um, support. Um, we had Kate Burness from TSN Sports. She was uh, the MC. She MC'd the event. She's really great, great person. I love Kate. And uh, then we had the Lovelocks. They were like a country band. They okay. Were, do some music, so you know I did about twenty minutes of comedy on the shows, and then the the Love Locks would perform. So we had about an hour, hour and a half show um, for all the for the troops, and it, it ended up being you know it was great. And just talking to them afterwards, was, you know they're all from all over the country, and they've been you know I talked to a guy who's like, yeah, my wife's she's uh, she's part of the forces, and I am too, and we haven't seen each other in thirteen months. And oh, I was like, wow. Jesus Christ, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they, they do sacrifice quite a bit. That's awesome. Now you you made friends with uh, with Arlene while you were there. That's how handsome Jeff is. Got this millionaire chick is like, hey there, young stud. Yeah, she's. <laughs> you got to go hang out at her her birthday party. Was it her birthday or um, anniversary or? Yeah, it was sort of just like a. I think it was like it wasn't her birthday. It was she had me down at her house uh, in in uh, in southern Ontario. Um, just to, to hang, she had a party one night. She invited me. So how fucking cool is that? This guy over here, across the table. <laughs> you know, I was just hanging out at a dragon's, uh, dragon's house. Yeah, you know no, I mean? like, oh, I'm having a party, Jeff. You want to come over and uh, eat my caviar? It was wink, delicious. Wink. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jeff did not have sex with Arlene Dickinson from Dragon. She's married, right? Uh, no, I don't think oh, so. Oh, Jeff should have had sex with Arlene from Dragon's Den. Come on! If I didn't say it, everybody here is going to think it, except for the I, chicks. I did not have sex uh, with her. Of course not. No, she's, you didn't. She's, why do you look guilty? Why does right everything now? have to be about sex? With I me? don't know, <laughs> Jesus, dude. Man. Just if I she's looked like awesome. you did, I would use the powers that I had at my disposal. Uh, that's, that's right. She, Wolverine's not trying to pick locks, so making fucking <laughs> chop the goddamn door down. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? We talked a lot. She's a great person. Great. She's actually a. She's a sweetheart. She is. She's a great person, and you know we got. We talked a ton. She gave me some business advice. She gave me, she's, she's a wonderful person. And that's, you know, and I think that's actually like without having any, you know, why does it like, it's so weird that everything, you can't just be friends with people anymore, you know, it's like men and women or whatever other gender you are. You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta keep going back to that. Yeah. It's the most progressive podcast of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, I like we're we're almost two hours now and, uh, I, you know, I could just keep, keep talking. I'm having yeah, a great yeah. time. Um, so just just for my listeners right now, because I'd love to have you back another time. We'll go sure. into a bunch of other stories. Um, have you got anything coming up, or where can people find you? I know you and I are both not a huge social media people, but where yeah. where can people find you on social media? I'm on Twitter. I don't tweet that much, but uh, I am on Twitter um, at at Jeffrey McKay. G e o f f r e y m a c k a y. It sounds like a <laughs> like a Disney rhyme. M o u s c. That's uh, awesome, dude. Do you have anything coming up that you're excited about? Nothing. No, That's I, life. I, I've, <laughs> no, I got corporate stuff coming, corporate shows, and I'm working on something. Uh, I want to sort of create a bit more of a a corporate um, platform to to book comedians. I'm hoping to do that in the next couple months. Hopefully with you, Josh, and Ooh. some other partners. 
So. Uh, your website, are you still, that's still up and, and viewable? Yeah. You got a lot of really cool stuff on your website. What's your website? www.jeffmckay.ca. G-E-O-F-F-M-A-C-K-A-Y. <laughs> it's radio station. Now. You have so much fun fucking stuff on your website. I like, I love seeing it because you see pictures of the China stuff. You can see pictures of the, the troops tour. Oh yeah. You can see, uh, you know, just you performing just some goofy people with signs in front of stadiums <laughs> and stuff like that in New York. You've got lots of great yep. stuff. Um, dude, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for you, you know, coming to sit down. Jeff wanted to leave like an hour ago. I can't tell you guys how much snow and shit is happening outside that he's going to have to drive home through rush hour in right now. But dude, thank you for sitting down with me and, and chatting, dude. It's going to be a great episode. Thank you, Joshua. 